fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And today we are talking about the number four game on Board Game Geek, Terraforming Mars. Terraforming Mars. My number one game. <laughs> Dalton's number one game. It's a great game. It's not my number one game. It is. It is now. It has to be, right? <laughs> it has to be. Man, I'm like backed into a corner here. You got me on record. <laughs> exactly. Got him. Before all that, let's, uh, let's talk about what's on our flights. And we're actually both drinking beer because yeah. beer... Is the better of the two. Hey, uh, now, careful or uh, I'll pour it out. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, no, don't do that. But so, okay, so both of these beers were sent to us by one of our friends, Roberto, who is uh, at Sheer Boredom yep. uh, on, on Instagram. And he's the one that does a lot of the interviews with, like, personalities in the board game space. And so we did an interview with him probably about three months ago or so. Yeah, three, four months ago, something yeah, like that. Yeah, like, we were still locked in our house when we were doing it. So We were. That's, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's how I measure time now. So <laughs> it was either three or nine months ago, and there is no in-between. <laughs> that's it. He was super awesome. He he went around to a couple of his local breweries. and Yeah, because uh, yeah, we were talking about it in our yeah. interview, and he had said something like, oh, I should send you some beer or something like that. <laughs> and we wouldn't turn that down. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he sent us a couple of beers. So we're both drinking... Uh, a beer from the care package that he sent us. Yeah, uh, Dalton, do you want to start us out? So, uh, so Roberto from Sheer Boredom, he sent us like he sent us like twelve beers. It was it was very generous. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah it was a, <laughs> it was a very generous uh, offering. Is not the right word, but gift. A very yeah, generous. Yeah, gift. absolutely. Um, and so uh, we had we had several to choose from. I chose Day Haze, which he sent us. I think two of these. And so this is from Mighty Squirrel Brewing Company. It's a what a name. What a yeah. What a, and also, I love the logo. It's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. It's pretty great. Um, Day Haze. Um, Name implies it. This is a, a session IPA, also also called a hazy IPA. For those of you who don't know, um, that basically means it's a little bitch IPA, which is why I'm drinking yep. it. Yep, <laughs> pretty much. That's exactly what it means. <laughs> so this is this is 4.7 um, ABV, so much lower alcohol than a normal a normal IPA. It also is uh, much less uh, hoppy. It's it's a lot. It'll in hazy IPAs, you'll get like fruitier flavors coming through and that sort of thing. And so that's why I chose it is because he sent us several IPAs. He's kind of like, <laughs> he's, I think he's, well, first of all, he's only selecting from like kind of the end of summer, early fall beers yeah, when he yeah, sent yeah, it to yeah. us, I think. So like, that's probably what was mostly in stores. Um, but and also, the best beers. I was about to say, I think he also <laughs> probably has a similar palette to you. But anyway, so this, this one is, it, like I said, it says day haze on it has like some, it's green, it has like some palm trees. I think it's meant to be very, uh, very citrus forward, very like tropical, very flavorful. And I mean, so, it has palm, yeah, like it just looks like it. Right? It looks like it. <laughs> on, in like the description, it even has, this is, it basically says this is made for when you're playing endless rounds of can jam. <laughs> <laughs> God, that, that is. That's like that Frisbee game, yeah. right? Where you're trying to throw it into the. That brewery knows its audience. It knows the audience, <laughs> right? Like that's a, that's a fraternity game. <laughs> it's like yeah. a lawn game. Yeah. And they're like, this is a beer for that. And so it, it like, it's very, um, I think you tasted this one, right? And you, you described it as yeah. like, sort of like grassy as opposed yeah, to like yeah. hoppy. Yeah. You know, um, and so it didn't of, hurt to drink. No, not at all. Um, I think like lemon and like lemon peel and like those kinds of flavors are very forward. It's uh, you're the optical guy. What What's the uh, what would you give the Ooh, SRM? What would you SRM. give the SRM? Let's... I would say I cannot see through it, but that's because it's very hazy, <laughs> like very cloudy. It's it's a lightish color, but it's like I, I like I can't see anything through it at all. Pulling up our super accurate chart. Yep. Let me adjust the coloring on the screen. <laughs> you just uh, tint the whole screen. To no, brown. so it, it looks right around a uh, an eight SRM, which would be um, like a sixteen EBC, so like the European standard, uh, yep. which is right around kind of where you would see like a pale ale, like or a IPA, is actually going to be a little bit lighter. 
So this mm. is a little bit darker than like your standard IPA, whereas like your double IPA is going to be darker. Yeah. So, which is you know it, it's kind of like kind of in that range where it's it looks khaki. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like kind that. of a kind of a khaki-ish, almost getting to orange type of color. <laughs> yeah. Um, it almost it tastes like a IPA shandy kind of. Yeah. Thing. Like yeah. Mixed, that's a, that's mixed a really good description. With, yeah. I like yeah. that. So yeah, I would say this is a three cheers beer for me. I really, I really like this one. I would definitely drink it again, especially uh, you know if I have a yard project or, or something in the garage to work on or whatever. <laughs> I think it'd be really good for that. What about you? What are you drinking? So I went with a uh, a seasonal beer because we're we're running towards the end of the season. Yeah. For the for the, uh, the pumpkin ale. So this is pumpkin ale, and it's from Harvest Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is it, it's good. I I, I I I enjoy pumpkin ales. I wish that they were around more often than you know the three weeks out of the year that they are yeah i'm sure they're on more i just look for them for only about three weeks no i think i think that that's they're hard to find like yeah. in like you know in like february or something like that like there's not a lot <laughs> yeah. of people making pumpkin beer, and it's probably not very good if they are probably yeah <laughs> but so this this is a it, it's literally just called pumpkin ale like that is the name of the beer and i i respect that like <laughs> like if you have the confidence to not even like like name the beer you're just like yeah. this is what it is and you're gonna like it like, yeah okay yes like sir. the marketing guy had to pitch that <laughs> yeah <you know? laughs> he's like yeah. pumpkin ale that's the name <laughs> but it, it's brewed with pumpkin and spices so it's a pumpkin spice beer there we go uh it's a 5.2 percent alcohol by volume and uh it, it's i mean it tastes like a pumpkin like <laughs> i yeah. don't know how else to describe it it yeah. uh um it's an srm of about like 13 so it's, it's almost like a double because it's got that orange mm. kind of hint to it yeah and so i'm you know you can see it right but <laughs> yeah. yeah the color um, reminds me of like when you take a um like we, we always drink like blue moon with like orange like yeah, juice mixed yeah, in, yeah you know like yeah. a little splash of orange juice or whatever mm. in the summer that's the color that it kind of reminds me of yeah absolutely but i mean it's really good like you definitely get a a, a nice pumpkin like at the beginning of the drink like when mm. and then after the aftertaste is where really where you hit the spices which i think is kind of interesting because a lot of these pumpkin spice beers that i've had it kind of like all blends together but it feels yeah. like two very distinct tastes or like uh yeah i guess that would be the word taste yeah taste. like th- <laughs> throughout the uh, experience of drinking this beer so like on the the consumption i get the pumpkin and then i get the spice as i swallow and it like i i'm really enjoying it like Good. it's there, it's just such a simple label and i'm just like all about yeah it. I'm I'm loving like, it. it's just it's orange and it has pumpkins <laughs> on it it's, it's got like, like 20 pumpkins and like yeah, that's it's the like, label we're good we know it (laughs) we're gonna let the beer speak for itself not the marketing so yeah yeah. for me i think that this one is probably around a two cheers for me yeah um it's probably not something that i'm gonna seek out again you know there's a lot of pumpkin beers out there and if i if i only have a short window to try them i'm gonna try something new each time that's true and it's hard for like a pumpkin beer to really stand out yeah i i I would agree with that but i really like it good (laughs) yeah (laughs) thank you roberto for both of those go check out his instagram because He's got some really cool stuff. I know he interviewed like uh, a couple of other people on the Gateway Network. Uh-huh. So Date Night Dice was on there. He also did like uh, Jamie from Stonemeyer Games. Yeah. So that's a big name. He yeah, got big the one. guy from Tiny Epic. From Tiny, yeah. So he, I mean, he's he's got he's some doing really well, really yeah. cool interviews up there. I mean, like obviously ours is the best. Obviously, but <laughs> they always you know, are. <laughs> but like after you watch ours a couple of times, you can filter through his other. His For other sure. videos that he's got. For sure. And one more time, that's at Sheer Boredom, so go check him out. Yeah, we'll we'll link him in the show notes as yep. well. Cool. Yeah, so now uh, now that we're about halfway through that beer, you want to talk about what's on, <laughs> <laughs> about what's on our table or yeah. what's been on our table recently? Yeah, for sure. Um, so recently we had another kind of like get together, like Gen Con styled get together. And, and so like that was another weekend where we played a lot of board games, right? We played, we tried a lot of new things. Um, I meant to write them out for the episode, but I forgot. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I think I, I I wanted to 
like I wanted to just pick one, like here was my takeaway from the weekend kind of thing. Um, that would have been Imperial. I, I loved I, Imperial. Yeah, yeah. I was I was going to say that would have been mine too. For sure. That was the best game that was like a new game that I tried for the first time. I was like, oh man, this game is this game's worth playing more. Um, so Imperial, if you haven't played it before, um, the concept of it, I find really funny. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's kind of so... 10 out of 10 for components. Like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> just based on the just, theme. Just on the theme. Yeah. Um, so the idea is that you are like banks... Um, like financial institutions in like World War One era, and you are like bankrolling European countries to go fight in a war. Yeah, like <laughs> that's what's happening. Um, so you do this really interesting thing where you can like quote invest in countries by buying bonds, right? Which is you know an investment in the country, um, and so you give actually your money goes off of like your player area and into the country's player area, and then the country can use that money to like buy units and stuff. And if you are the player that kind of owns the most investment like owns the most bonds in terms of monetary value in a certain country then you control that country and there are six countries which can be controlled um, and so on your turn you can do different things with them you can attack other countries take over space you can tax that country which means that like that the country itself gets money because it's like taxing that it's taxing its people and so like money some money comes to you through a specific mechanic but mostly the money goes to the country and they can use that to buy more units and then you can do you remember what the, is it like invest or something like the one that lets you buy more yeah i think it's like investor or something something like that and basically that makes the countries that you own bonds in it makes that country like pay out to you um, but what will happen is over the course to pay of the, out to you and anyone else who has a stake in that country. right anyone else who has so a stake. even if you're not the top person like if you're controlling and you land on investor mm-hmm. then you know, if Dalton owns Russia, but I own a little bit of Russia, I get a little bit of money. You get a little bit of money <laughs> so from that. I'm like kind of pulling for it. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. And so you end up in these like really interesting situations where like it feels like a dude's on a map game, but it's like not. It's not. It yeah. has, no, like, I think we played that wrong. Yeah, for sure. It has like a war mechanic in it. It, it has like a combat system, um, but you're not rolling dice. It's just like, it's, it's just like, do I have more units than you? Yes or no, I win. Like, that's it. Yeah, you end up in these situations where you were like invested in multiple different countries and you kind of get around the board you're like okay i'm invested in like three like maybe four even of like the countries out of like the six and so you feel like you don't actually really have like an, a legitimate enemy because i think i think at the end of the game i shared some amount of investment in country with every player right yeah, so any yeah, yeah. like a player could take an action that could hurt me but most of the time it was just going to help them more than it helped me but it wasn't like hurting me all, always you know and so then yeah you get to the end of the game and like um the countries who have done the best who like, have the most uh, territory and that sort of thing at the end of the game they pay out to the players that own bonds in them and so that's kind of like the end game mechanic that's why you would want your countries to do well um, is because they will pay out to you over the course of the game and they have like a large payout at the end of the game and then whoever has the most money wins and so i loved this game because i, I do really enjoy like dudes on a map game and it felt like it was like giving me that without feeling like the the way that other games like that can feel where like you get taken out of a game like it didn't feel like that because if i was attacking a country i wasn't attacking you the player i was attacking the country and you, the player, you're a different person. You have a different set of goals. You are not the country. That, like, you can you can buy out of that country and go buy into other countries if you want. You can just abandon this country. Cause, and that happened in the game, right? Where like uh, like Italy or France or somebody was like, yeah, nobody wants that anymore. Like it's a garbage <laughs> country now. It's been run under the ground. Like people are just going to evacuate, right? And what I really liked about it is, you know, what, what you were saying about there's not like that player in elimination. And I think that's because alliances kind of form. Mm-hmm. But with some of those games, you can form alliances in air quotes. And then, you know, as soon as it's beneficial to you, you turn around and stab them in the back. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you, you there's no like alliance mechanism in this game. The alliance yeah. mechanism is you've both bought in. You're both financially interested in the same co- country. So if someone turned, if you turn around and stab it in the back, you're hurting yourself too. Yeah. So it's like a mutually assured destruction, yeah. which I think is just like, 
it's a really well done balanced for the alliance yeah. and the, the one thing that i kind of had to get my head around is, is like i'm not playing the country like like i think i started with i don't even remember i started with two countries actually okay so france and i think you started with austria hungary austria hungary yeah, yeah that was the other one and like i lost both of them there's a point at in the game where i was not controlling a single country yeah. so i was just like kind of like financially like i was just building up money so when it came to be my turn to invest in a new country I was able to, you know, buy a really large stake in a country and then like take over Russia. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I was just like, yeah. Like, and I you, think like you do you, all the work to like build it up and I'm just going to buy it out for money. I'm just going to buy it out. <laughs> but I think even when you hear that, people are like, well, isn't that like not a fun game if people can just buy out countries from under you? Um, and there was a point in the game where that was like being considered by like a player who I was like kind of, I guess, sort of, sort of antagonistic against, like there that we had sort of. Ex, our, our, we were on two different ends of the board. We were invested in two different like sets of countries, so we weren't sharing a country yet. And so, like, all he's obviously like, "Well, I don't want my countries to attack each other. I want them to attack these other countries." Well, that happens to be all the ones that I own, right? And so we were kind of like enemies in that way. And he was considering at one point in the game, like, the, I was mostly invested in Germany, and he was considering buying a controlling share in Germany. And for a minute, I was like, "Oh crap!" Like he could take Germany from me. And then it was like, <laughs> "Wait, that's not a big deal. Like if he does that." all of the money that he invests goes to Germany, yeah. right? And then, like, Germany can use that to buy units, and if he's controlling it, that doesn't really affect me just so long as it's successful successful by the end of the game, which now he's invested in making that happen, right? Because yep. he just spent $25 yep. million dollars investing <laughs> in Germany or whatever, so. Yeah, it's definitely one of those games that I really want to play multiple times Yeah, because, like, I think we both, at least I started out, I was like, oh, this is, you know, it's a dude's on a map, let's kill yeah, the other stuff. players <laughs> and then the the player who had like played it before is like what are you guys doing like yeah no, i think stop. in like the first turn everybody dropped units like that's what <laughs> like because you can choose from a like, couple different actions and everybody bought units and he was like what's going on <laughs> yeah uh oh <laughs> uh oh we're fighting yeah no i i agree i, I thought imperial was a phenomenal game for sure yeah um, definitely the one i enjoyed the most that weekend yeah so what about you what's been on your table uh so i also had a uh, get together with a bunch of uh friends to play board games that was yeah i think you were there i was uh, there. <laughs> but i'm glad you remember yeah <laughs> it makes yeah, me yeah. feel special <laughs> <laughs> no so we did play a lot of games there but what i want to highlight uh this episode is we finished our first five by five challenge <laughs> <laughs> that was uh scythe viticulture dominion gaia project and then the uh the topic of today's discussion terraforming mars was the fifth game so we yep. started a new one and i actually wrote these down because i remember last episode i forgot them uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we started a new one so this five by five we've got on mars wait is this your third of the year no it's the second second it's the of second the of the year okay, yeah, yeah yeah so um and for anyone who didn't listen to the previous episode of five by five is you pick five games and you play them each five times so it's a total of 25 plays mm -hmm. each one of the games five times and then my wife makes this like really cool like graphic that i get to color or she gets to color. She doesn't trust me with the markers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she gets to color in after we play. Yeah. And so it, it looks really cool. It's now framed, and we're going to like find a spot to like put them so yeah. that when we have – and we're going to start putting dates, like start and end. Oh, that's a good idea. So, But the new one, I, I'm really excited about the new one. We got On Mars, which is the Vital That's a bold choice. For yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's rough. It's uh, we, We've already actually knocked off one play of – so it's our second. We've played it twice. One play is kind of towards the 5x5. Five five, yeah. And it is – there's a lot to remember, but if I think uh, I think it was one of our listeners, Nathan, who's from, uh, pretty active in the Discord. He was he described it as, or another game, but I also attribute this description to this game where it just kind of feels like you're ice skating. Like it just it feels so smooth. Like mm -hmm. every, it, it never feels clunky. Yeah, and it's just like oh yeah. I mean that just makes sense. Like yes, I need you know I need oxygen to like create the plants and then or I need oxygen to create the water to create the plants and it's like yeah mm -hmm. that just makes sense and it's yeah. just like now how do I do that. There's just a lot of options open to you. Cool. Um, 
So also, on Mars. <laughs> yeah, so on Mars, we got Orleon, which is a game that we've talked about before. It's the bag builder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the one that I lost really bad because I forgot that track important. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, Brass Birmingham. Cool. Because that's one that we love and we want to play more of. Yep. Uh, Spirit Island. Duh. Uh, <laughs> and then um, the last one on there is Great Western Trail. Oh, and nice. So, yeah, so Great Western Trail, I think we've talked about it maybe a little bit. I've done a couple yeah. of posts on Instagram. So I left that one towards the last because I want to eat up even more of this time by talking about <laughs> something, a game that's not on our 5x5. Five five, and it's the game. It's another game by Alexander Fister who did Great Western Trail, and it's called Maracaibo. And so Maracaibo is similar to Great Western Trail in the sense of that you're going around in a circle. Mm. So Great Western <laughs> Trail, you're delivering uh, cattle, you're, you're a cattle herder. Yeah. Where in Maracaibo, you're, I don't know, it's it's kind of a rough theme. You're colonizing like the Caribbean, which is mm. like, I don't know, just strip the theme away. Yeah, I'm like, eh, that's not great. <laughs> but uh, like you're building it's influence like a, with- It's like, the, uh, <laughs> like the, the Tarzan moment, you know, where like the elephant's like- is this is this game theme sanitary? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it looks questionable to me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, that's very true. But so we played Maracaibo for the first time last weekend, and it was so good. I I don't know if I like it more than Great Western Trail. I think okay. I will once I play it more. But you think you'll like it more? I think so. Wow. So it it has some similar mechanics. A lot of people compare the two. You know, Maracaibo versus Great Western Trail. Okay. I think that there's definitely room for both of those because they feel very different like the only mm. things that are similar is you're taking stuff off of your board and you're going around in a circle that's pretty okay. much the only same mechanic okay um is it an engine builder it has elements of an engine builder okay but uh the difference is it feels like terraforming mars mixed with great western trail <laughs> but i mean it, it was it, it was fun like I, I i think that that one is definitely going to be on the next five by five. Oh, cool cool <laughs> it, it's already in the top 50 gotcha yeah yeah i mean it's clean it's good it's That's good. awesome i'm excited to try it yeah yeah definitely we'll have to do that yeah we are we oh we did play zolkin we should we should mention that on the podcast yeah we accomplished <laughs> it we checked it off the box we played zolkin so now we have to pick a new game that the next time we have to pick we have to pick a game we yeah play that one <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But, the next time we meet we have to play game <laughs> x yeah so we did play zolkin i think that that deserves a specific call out on the podcast yep, because we've been sure. saying that for like four episodes now. <laughs> we have four board game episodes <laughs> yeah even. yeah it's yeah, been yeah. like months yeah really enjoyed it very rec- very much recommend trying it so we actually have a little special segment for the icebreaker this week. Yeah, something a little different. Yeah, so, so we actually recorded the icebreaker about a week ago, and we had a special guest back on the podcast. So Charles from Game Master, the director of Game Master, came back on the podcast. Yep. Um, and to both, talk both our first guest and our first return guest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and our second guest. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so we're going to splice that audio in right now. Remember a couple episodes ago when we interviewed interviewed Charles, uh, the director of Game Master? Well, he's back with us. Hey, Charles. Hey, how's it going? Great. How are you? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. You know, all things, all things considered. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Um, so you're back on here because you got some exciting news for your documentary, right? You want to go into that a little bit? Uh, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, exciting news. So, you know, for everybody that heard the last episode and you know, said, oh, that sounds like an interesting documentary. I'd like to watch that. Um, and then, you know, for whatever reason, either you forgot about it or you didn't want to pay five ninety nine to to rent it or whatever. <laughs> now, it's okay. Everything's forgiven. But now, <laughs> it's on Amazon Prime for free 
for Prime members. So if you belong to Amazon Prime and, and who doesn't, you know, worship at the church. Or Prime, <laughs> um, uh, we, you know, it's free for everybody. So, you know, you, now you can just turn it on. You can, you know, after you're done listening to this podcast, of course, you know, just turn it on and enjoy the documentary. Yeah, absolutely. So that's really exciting news. And we're really happy that you're back on uh, here talking with us. I think we're going to hop into kind of we're all drinking something. Yeah. So do you want to? Yes. And then we're going to we're going to do an icebreaker together. But before we get into the icebreaker, what are you drinking? Because I remember last time I don't actually remember the name Dalton will, but it was something really (laughs) interesting. So I want to I want to hear what you're drinking this time. So, so I am drinking, well, it is it is fall. Fall is upon us. So I'm drinking a <laughs> fall-spiced old-fashioned. Oh, there you go. Uh, oh, okay. So, yeah, that's right. I know I know. old-fashions have been, uh, you know, beaten beaten down, to, it overplayed, and, you know, very rarely is there something new. I, I actually, last time I had an old-fashioned, mm-hmm. I think it's because I, I, I don't have to juice anything. That's why I like <laughs> old-fashions. Just throw it together. Um, you know? Sometimes I'm just sick of squeezing a lime, but so you do have to do some work ahead of time with the fall spiced old fashioned. Uh, And that's because you have to make the fall spiced simple syrup. And, you know, regular simple syrup is a one to one sugar water ratio. Um, But while you're doing that, you throw in some whole cloves, you throw in a couple cinnamon sticks, you throw in some star anise, a little bit of vanilla extracts some nutmeg if you want to if you want to get you just, fancy you know yeah. you let it bo- yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of a freestyle yeah. thing you know ground ginger sometimes you know um and you just let it you let it boil for a second you let it simmer for a little bit longer after that and you let it cool down and you strain it through a fine mesh strainer and you have false by simple syrup and then it's just a basic uh, old-fashioned build it's two ounces of bourbon Half an ounce of false spice simple syrup and then some bitters. That sounds really good. Which uh, do you use like a fancy <laughs> bourbon for that? Any anything off the shelf? Well, you know, uh, I, I am still away from my regular bourbon bourbon collection. Mm. So right now I'm using Rebel Yell, which uh, clocks in at about fifteen dollars yeah. a bottle. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it is it is the best fifteen dollar bottle of bourbon that I think is out there. Honestly, so you know, un- unless you can find Wild Turkey on sale. Yeah. I'll take Wild Turkey any day. <laughs> how much does, or like, so how many drinks does your concoction of your syrup make? Is it I mean, one? It, <laughs> Do you go through all that? No, no. It, it, it's, I mean, it depends. So making, I would say that making an ounce of simple syrup is just about the same work as making like, you know, a half, a half gallon. <laughs> so you want to make a, a lot of it. And I, I think I probably make, I don't know, about 12 ounces at a time, you know? Yeah. I think that's okay. like a really solid way to just, you know, like you can show up with like a, a bottle of wine to a party, but if you can show up to, with like a bottle of like, here, I made this like simple syrup and here's like a really simple, you know, mixed drink you can make with it. That's like a really, pl- that's a yeah. baller move so, right there. <laughs> I don't know if it was last year or if it was the year before, but I gave a bottle of it to uh, the editor of Game Master for Christmas, and nice. Uh, um, and then you know, next time I saw him, I was like, "Hey, what would you think?" And he's like, "I took that to a party, and it was gone." And like, <laughs> <laughs> I can see yeah. why. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Yeah, it's a good idea for a gift. Yeah, because it's like I think I have stayed away from making my own old fashioned because that's like the that's like the barrier of like, oh, I don't really know how to make simple syrup. And it's like, I, I know like intellectually, it's like, okay, it's sugar and water and you boil it. Like that's, that's really all I have to do. You know, I have to like go through the effort of making <laughs> yeah. it. That's it. That's it. You know, you just, just stir it up. I, I made a, um, an apple cider syrup, which 
it was it was okay. It was it was uh, a little sweet for my taste, but you know, you, it's same principle. It's um, brown sugar, apple cider. I think the ratio is a little bit different. I forget what it is, but it it, it was okay. Well, that sounds really good. Yeah, you're enjoying the fall spirit. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, what did you grab though? Yeah, Bob? so I'm drinking. I tried a new one today, so I'm drinking. It says spirits of French lick. I actually don't know if why they chose to put that on there, but uh, Lee W. Sinclair, which is going to be backwards for you on the camera, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, I grabbed it literally because it says Indiana straight bourbon whiskey. I was like, oh, got to support the local Indiana. Try it out. It's four grain, one of which is oats. And so that was the other reason I grabbed it because I hadn't had like oat in a um, in a bourbon before. Um, so I think the oat gives it like a real like chewiness. Like it's got this like like it feel it has a really good mouthfeel to it. It probably has like a little bit more like burn than it's worth. Like it's not quite spice. It's just kind of like burning a little bit more than it's worth. But like, and and it, like I said, it's four grains. So it's also got this, it's got like wheat in there. It's got a lot of things kind of going on. Um, so it comes through with just so like sweet. Oh, I was going to say wheat was probably one of them and it's going to be corn. So corn, oat, wheat, what's the fourth, what's the barley. fourth grain? Uh, yeah, which barley. is the other, I, I was, I was thinking, oh, they're probably going to throw rye in there or something, but no, they got barley in there. So anyway, so it comes through with like um, some sweetness from the wheat, kind of just like some standard like honey flavors and that sort of thing. And then it like kind of burns away, but really the, I don't know, the, selling point i guess is just the way it like kind of coats it it feels like actually going back to honey it feels sort of like having like the way that a spoonful of honey kind of coats your mouth and then it has like the chewiness and goes away it kind of feels like that although obviously like a like a liquid not quite the like thickness and marmaladiness of honey or whatever but so it's pretty good i don't know i I think i would give it like the two cheers the like um the try don't buy kind of you know uh kind of kind of setting where it's like i don't know that i would go back and buy another bottle i think it was only like 30 35 but but it was fun to try. I've been, I've enjoyed that part of it. So, so yeah, that's what I'm drinking. What about you, Nelson? So I, I actually was going to tell myself, I told myself that I was going to drink a whiskey this episode because I'm with two whiskey guys. Yeah. But then I realized <laughs> that I drank all my whiskey. So, <laughs> so I'm back to beer. Um, but I am, I did, I have been saving this one. So this one's also from uh, Amram and it's also from the Creature Comforts, which I've been drinking a lot of their beer recently, but they're the ones that did the Tropicalia, the one Thor. But this one's called Lupulus, Lupulus, and it's a hazy double IPA. It's 8%, and it's made with Citra Nelson hops. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> that's <laughs> I think that's why Amron picked it up. Yeah, yeah, I had my name in it, but the can's pretty funky. It's like a tiger, which is my favorite animal. So, But this one came in a four-pack, and this is my last of the four-pack. I was saved one for in a special episode, and that's what today is. So there you go. it's um, – um, it's hazy it's probably i mean it you can't necessarily see through it it's about a five srm it uh it's like actually really smooth for something that's eight percent and which which is nice but it's also kind of bad because then i drink it like it's not an eight percent beer so if i start slurring here during the icebreaker (laughs) sorry about that that's my fault (laughs) so if you if you want to uh to you know find the middle ground between between beer and bourbon the other day i had a beer by new belgium that was I forget what the name of it was exactly, but it was aged in, not aged, but finished in bourbon barrels. And uh, it was like a 9% ABV, but it, Ooh. you know, did not, it did not taste like it. <laughs> it, did, it, did not, it and it, it goes down easy. Boy. Awesome. I think yeah, I've, I, I've I had, had the like, is it dragon's milk or whatever? The, um, I think that one's finished. Dragon's milk. I've had that one. I and then I've had the Kentucky bourbon barrel one. That's, that's the one that I was thinking. Yeah. I'm I can't believe I forgot the name of it. It's it's got like a it's got a simple name, but it's not like Kentucky beer. It's like got like Spitfire or Rockfire or something like gotcha. that. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, you know. 
Oh. Yeah, they're good. We talked in the whiskey episode that that's kind of becoming a thing because of the because they can't reuse the barrels, right? They can't. Um, yeah. Once you use a bourbon barrel for bourbon, then it's that, then it's done. It can't. It could, like Scotch makers and other like whiskey distilleries will buy them just to get um, kind of a second or third use out of them. And now like uh, some beer places are picking them up. Um, but it makes them kind of pricey if they pay for the if they pay for the bourbon barrel and they want to put the name on oh, it. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna make you pay oh, yeah. for it a little bit. But they're really good if you can get a hold of them. Yeah. So uh, let's hop into our icebreakers. Um, I think Dalton, you had one that you're gonna propose for the three of us. Yeah, we this haven't week? we haven't done our own icebreakers in a long time. You know, so I've <laughs> no, we haven't. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been uh, I've been stealing up a cash. Um, okay, so uh, icebreaker for this time. Um, this is. I, it's kind of an icebreaker, also kind of a recommendation. What's your favorite game for eight or more players? So if you have an immediate answer, go for it, or otherwise Nelson. So uh, I do, I do. So my favorite game for eight or more players is is actually probably Code Names. Mm, such a good because, game because you know it, there's a common sense element where where if you've never if you have not played a board game for twenty years, you know you kind of can get it really quickly, and because it's two teams. You know, you're you're never playing a turn where you're making all of the decisions on your own. Like you're you're there with a team of people, you're talking about it. You know, the person who's played can kind of like walk you through kind of how it works as you're discussing what the answers might be. And then usually within like one and a half turns, the person who's never played it um, and hasn't played a board game in 10, 20 plus years, they understand it completely, a hundred percent. You know, like as far as like just the base level. And so, you know, it's really easy to include people. It's really easy to, you know, to to have everybody be involved and have a good time. You know, there's not the learning curve of like, oh, you know, let's, you know, you got to put your, your guy here and then you pick up the cube <laughs> and then you turn that. Metal matter six turns down the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like. You have no idea what this does now, but at the end of the game, you get yes, the Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, it's, it, you know, so you know, it's, it's like, it's easy to get, it's easy to have a good time with. And, you know, when you're talking about eight or more people, you want something that's going to last like maybe 20 minutes. And then as a group, you can decide to play it again or not, you know? And so I just think it's a really great game for, for that sort of thing. And, but I will say that, you know, as far as like, Codenames. Some of the one of the producers, Jimmy Nguyen, and myself, like, have played Codenames with each other so much <laughs> that we just we pull just insane stuff out of you know out of nowhere, and and also he'll do a thing where he'll just randomly guess even if I haven't given him the clue. <laughs> That's stressful. You know? and, and you know, he, sometimes it is. I can't you know if I'm the clue giver, I can't say anything. I can just say like banana two. You know, that's it. And one time I actually gave, I gave one of the other person's clues as a zero. Like, you know, if it was like their clues dog. My wife like hates when I do that. Or canine <laughs> dog. And and he got so mad because then his team thought it was the yeah. assassin and they didn't get it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I like that um, code names. Like, like you said, sometimes you don't even explain the rules. Sometimes you're playing and like somebody like walks up. You know, and they're like, oh, do you want to play? And it's like, yeah, I think I get it. And it's like, okay, you're on like red team now, you know, because they've like just stood there yeah. and they understand. They can it. join in halfway through without, without messing, messing up, up the game. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. No, Nelson, what about you? I, I really like Codenames for that answer. The uh, the one that we've been playing a lot recently is Wavelength, which I think we've talked about before on the podcast. Charles, have you played Wavelength? 
I have almost played Wavelength. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, for uh, you know, we I, it was at New Year's Eve last year, the last time anybody saw anybody in person. Um, and <laughs> yep. there was Wavelength was there, and I said to actually it was it was uh, producer Jimmy. I said, hey, uh, you want to play Wavelength? He's like, no. And then we didn't play it. <laughs> That's the end of the story. <laughs> I, I, I would recommend Wavelength um, in the same vein for as Codenames, right? It's really easy. Once you see one turn, you kind of know what's going on, and it's just kind of fun. But I just wanted to throw that out as the honorable mention, but I wanted to go in a different direction and um, or from like a word game, a word association game. And I really, I really like Spyfall, but I never get to play it because my wife does not like Spyfall. But um, <laughs> but Spyfall, um, if you haven't played it, so everyone gets kind of you pick out a random deck from the box, and everyone gets dealt a card. One person is going to be the spy, and everyone else gets dealt a location. And you have to your time. I think it's for eight minutes. You're timed, and you just have to. If you're asked a question, you have to answer, and then you have to ask someone else a question who's sitting at the table. And if the spy's job is to figure out what location you're at. I think there's about 30 locations. And then the the object of the other people sitting at the table is to figure out who the spy is. So it gets, you know, it gets kind of crazy when you're asking, you know, like, you know, what what are you wearing? Right. That would be a question. And if they're they say, you know, a T-shirt and the location's outer space, they're probably the spy. But it's a lot of like social deduction and trying to guess on um, or like what location you're at. I, being the spy is very stressful, but <laughs> but I, I I just really yeah. You just get a big tile that says spy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and then oh. The, the one downfall I would say that it has is that if you don't know the thirty locations, if you're the spy, you're sitting there like staring at the location board, like oh, okay, mm-hmm. where could this be? But <laughs> so I actually printed. Yeah, and out, everyone else like looked at their tile, saw airport, and then they just stopped looking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually printed out a. Uh, like 10 player mats of all the locations. So people don't have to like lean over to look at the, the locations. It's a but. great, good solution. Um, I'll tell you, know, funny story if, if, uh, about Spyfall. And, uh, you know, if you can't tell, I play, I play a lot of games with uh, producer Jimmy Nguyen, and this is one <laughs> of the reasons we made the movie. But we were playing Spyfall, and Jimmy was the spy, and we went back and forth asking questions, and... Jimmy was just sweating bullets because he's terrible at social deception <laughs> games. You know, and everybody was not the spy, giving good answers. And then we said, hey, Jimmy. And we asked him a question. And we just saw his face, just his, his heart beating through his face. And then just yelled out, <laughs> I can't take it. I'm the spy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I would like to I, accuse. I think the game drives people to that point. <laughs> I would like to accuse it. I think the game drives people to that point sometimes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, I do like about Spyfall that it is like people, like social deduction in eight minutes is kind of an achievement, you know? Like it's like that and like I guess like Chameleon kind of gets close to that maybe. Yeah. Um, but just like just the turnover, you know, of like, okay, like we're going to do this, but like if you're the spy and like you you mess it up, like it's really not that big of a deal, you know? Like we'll just like we're just going to deal another round. It's, it's eight minutes. It's not the end of the world, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, think they, I, I liked that they achieved that. So what about you, Dalton? What's your game to go to for over eight people? Yeah, I think did I say over eight or eight or more? Eight or more. Eight or more. And the re- eight or more. Okay, yeah, because Twilight Imperium will play eight people. <laughs> That's. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> it's not Twilight Imperium. Um, 
uh, we play a lot of Liar's Dice. I don't think that's my recommendation, but I wanted to throw it out there. That we, we play a lot of, you know what you mean? Like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, have you seen that? Where you like, you, you like roll a bunch of dice and then everyone's looking down. They're like, I have, you know, I think there are four fours amongst all these <laughs> dice that we roll. And if you're wrong, you like lose a die. That's our, that's know, our end of the night game. It. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it, like it's, it can get chaotic, but it it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's our end of the night. Everyone can't think straight. Let's play this game. All I have to do is yeah. look at these dice, and that's all I have to do. <laughs> <laughs> There's like three rules to the game. It's worth like Googling if you're like, if you're exactly, if you're in that spot where like everyone's kind of like winding down for the night, like what are we going to play? And all you need to play uh, is either have... Sagrada, Role Player, Dead of Winter, any game Dead that has winter, yeah, more than has... 20 dice is all you need to play. Yeah. So that's, that's all you need it. But yeah, actually, I think, what was the uh, social deduction game that we played last weekend? Deception Murder in Hong Kong. Oh, my God. That's it? Okay, that's a heck of a name. Yeah. <laughs> this is the I've game played, that I walked up to. I've so played like that. There was a group. You have not? Is I have played it? it. It's great. I loved it. I, yeah, I was surprised I, with how good it was. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, it was a game that I walked up to. Like There was a group playing, and I like walked up to it. And I think I understood probably 75% of the rules just by like watching them play for a little bit. Another game that probably doesn't take that long. I don't know. Nelson, was we were giving everybody 30 seconds to talk. Is that like a game thing or did I, have the group I have no all? idea. Oh, it's, it's a game thing. It's a game thing, I think. Um, okay. I think it's because otherwise, I think they say it's optional because otherwise it's just people yelling back and forth at each other forever and nobody can like hear an, uh, a logical argument. Yeah. Right. And you kind of like, there's enough going on where you need to hear like logical arguments. You need to hear like, okay, no, I think this and this and this all tie together into this thing. And so it's this person with like one of these three other cards that they have or something like that. But basically everybody's dealt up face up like four, I don't remember. They were like four like methods and four weapons or something like that. Yeah. And, and then the, and then there's one person who is uh, some sort of clue giver. So it's sort of like, it ends up feeling like Mysterium or Codenames meets like a social deduction game. And and so there's like one like clue giver and they're given like seven tiles and they're able to like place a, a bullet on, I may have said seven, I meant to say several tiles. And they'll have, it'll be like uh, weather and it'll, and it'll be like hot, cold, blah, 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 a couple different options. And they like select one of those options. And they're saying basically that, you know, this option ties to the murderer in, in some way. And then again, it's similar to um, things like uh, like Secret Hitler or something like that, that there's like a murderer and an accomplice, and that's dealt out at the beginning of the game. They know who each other are. Everybody else is an investigator. They're all good guys. And one of them was a, one of the investigators is like a witness. They know who the, they knew who the murderer and the investigator are. They don't know which one's which. And then at the end of the game, the murderer and investigator get to try it. It's sort of like the Merlin mechanic from, uh, from like Resistance Avalon, where they get to, they get to declare, we think that this person was the witness. And if they're right, then they win. Um, and so you can't, as the witness, be like too forward with who you think the <laughs> murderer is, um, or else they're going to call you out on it at the end of the game and they're going to win. Um, but the whole point of the game is that everybody's trying to discuss and guess who the murderer is based on the clues that the kind of like lead investigator or whatever his name is, is given. And so I, I think like that I played, I think I only played like one or two rounds. I played like one round as a participator and one round as like the clue giver. And I, I don't know. I think games like Codenames and uh, Mysterium, like, for people like us, you play once or twice and you're like, okay, now it's my turn. Like, I want to be the clue giver. That seems like a different, you know, they're doing a totally different thing. It seems like they're having a lot of fun. And so I think the multiple roles and that sort of thing kind of gave it a lot of uh, replayability for our group. I could see us, like, if we had access, I think it was it was not, like, me or you that owned that. It was somebody else who had, who had brought it to the game group. Um, but I could see that getting a lot of replayability for us if we, if we had access to it. Yeah, it's fun. In fact, you know, I'll say that the worst thing about that game is that it requires, like, at least six people. 
Yep. You know, mm-hmm. yep. I, I barely know six people, um, <laughs> but, but you know, I'll tell you the, the la- one of the last times I played that game, this is another, the story with Jimmy where I, I was the witness. So I can't give away, you know, that I know who the murderer is, right? I can't yeah. give it away. And Jimmy is a, uh, a regular person, regular detective. I don't know what the name is, but he's looking around the table, looking around the clues, right? And I'm just waiting for him to look at me. Looks up at me, and I'm just like staring at him wide-eyed, like you know, not moving my head or anything. I'm just like, mm, like staring at him. And he's like, "Oh, Charles is staring at me." And then I, with my eyes, without moving my neck or my head, I like look very deliberately at the person who was the killer. <laughs> so we communicated without like me moving anything but my eyes. And, awesome. And then he was like, all right, I got it now. And he knew he had to like put himself out there because, mm. you know, if they knew I was the witness, they would, you know, they would win. And they ended up guessing that he was the witness and we won. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> oh, no. What I've learned from this icebreaker question is that you and Jibby are not allowed to be on the same team. You know, <laughs> you it's, it, well is a, <laughs> it is a disadvantage for anybody else that is playing. This is true. I will say there was a period where we went like six months without playing code names at all, like with each other or anybody. And we played three games in a row and we just stunk it up. We lost every game. <laughs> we're like, man, we are, we are out of practice, but then we, you know, we're, we're good again. There are, there are groups that actively avoid putting Nelson and I on a team. Uh, yeah. That's right. Um, code names being. <laughs> so I understand the feeling. Deception murder in Hong Kong. Like there, there are a couple games in my life where I have like, gone onto board game geek and put it on my want in trade during the first game i played typically i will wait mm. until after the game is finished that one i was just like i want this one this this one deserves a spot yeah. like if if there's eight people this one's going to be a like it's just it's a great game for eight people so yeah. but yeah <laughs> good icebreaker i'm going to turn it back over to charles to tell us a little bit more about game master and then he's got a fun story which is going to lead into our topic of the night so charles take it away so yeah if you haven't had a chance to watch game master it's on amazon prime you know if if it wasn't easy enough to watch it before it's 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 even easier now um you know and i i personally i think that one of the goals i had at the beginning of making the movie was to make a movie that was accessible for people who play games and people who don't play as many games you know maybe people who don't play games at all you know i always one of the things i like to say is that you don't need to drink wine to enjoy the documentary Psalm. Um, and you know, this is, <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's a documentary about, about people with a dream trying to make something. And I think that everybody can relate to that on some level. I mean, we definitely really enjoyed the documentary. Um, I'm probably going to go watch it again now that it's free and um, like we're, we're going to promote it. We're going to throw links up on the show notes and the discord on Instagram, pretty much anywhere where you guys find us, we're going to kind of bombard you with this link because it's a really good one. And I think it's, if you like board games enough to listen to a board game podcast, you need to watch this documentary. <laughs> I think that's a fair statement. <laughs> this is this is a, a fair, very fair point, very interesting point. In fact, if you if you're listening to this podcast, I wonder why you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have also watched this other board game content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But thank you, uh, Charles, for staying on. Uh, so you had a fun terraforming Mars story for us. What 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 is that? So. Very recently, I uh, I have had a conversation with um, the creator of Terraform Mars, uh, Jacob Frixilius. 
and you know it, Frix Games is the is the creator or the distributor. I'm not exactly sure which one, um, but mm-hmm. I found out that Jacob Frixilius works with like four or five of his brothers. Uh, yeah, he they all work at Frix Games, and I was and I was having a conversation with them, and I was like, "Well, you got like five brothers," and he's like, "No, well, actually, we have like eight brothers, but five of them work with <laughs> us." <laughs> so. God, they, I don't remember. They have sisters too. There was something like thirteen or fourteen kids. Or oh 15 my goodness! Kids. Wow. Right. Yeah. And you know, we were just talking about terraforming Mars in the game, and you know, all of the all of the kids, and you know, what was that was like growing up in, um, I think Sweden. You know, what was it like? For all those people in the house, and he said, "Well, you know, it comfortably they they weren't all there at the same time." It comfortably lives about six, and then sometimes it was more than six. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but their mom has played more terraforming Mars games than anybody else in the world because <laughs> she played it through uh, through all of the, the playtesting, you know? She oh, yeah. played it before it came out, and then, you know, obviously when it was out of print for a second or it was hard to find, she had a copy, you know? <laughs> um, Man, moms are the best. Yeah. <laughs> but she she loves the game, and she, you know, she, I've heard, this is the story they told me, that she just has it set up on their kitchen table, right? And whenever any of the many children come home, she, she's like, oh, hello, son. Would you like to play Terraforming Mars with me? And, and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then they play a game. <laughs> yeah. Some people have like, you know, an after school snack when they get home from, from school and some people play Terraforming Mars. <laughs> so, you know, it's very it's very sweet that she supports her sons. But, you know, I think it's I don't know, maybe it's 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 an addiction at this point. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. That's it's awesome. okay. It's at that level for Nelson too. It's not a <laughs> it's, yeah. I don't have a problem. It's it's much. it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, definitely. So thank you very much, Charles, for stepping on again. Go watch yeah, Game thanks, Master. Okay. <laughs> thanks for having me again. You know, one one more thing I got to say is that yeah. one of the stars of Game Master, Charlie Bink, just released uh, his follow up to Trekking the National Parks. It's a game called Trekking the World. If you've played Trekking National Parks, it is a different game. It's not. It's not just the same game on a world level. It's. It's a. It's and it's a lot of fun. Um, I got to play it last week. I really, really enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Check that out. Definitely. Definitely need to check that out. I'm gonna go. I I owe my local game store a trip. I haven't been there in a couple of weeks, so I, <laughs> they're they're probably <laughs> a couple weeks. They're they're about they're a couple of days from putting out a uh, notice. Have you seen this child for me? <laughs> so <laughs> I need, I'll, I'll go see if they have it because I know they had trekking the national parks last time I was there, but definitely looks like one that we'll have to dive into and check out. So, well, cool. thank you for having or for being on, Charles and. Um, cheers. Yep. Thanks for coming on, bud. Great. Thank you cheers. for having me. <laughs> for sure. And we're back. So, <laughs> yeah. So that I mean, I I really did enjoy. I I always like talking with Charles. I think he's a really great guy. For sure. Uh, yeah, he's a great guest. <laughs> before we hop into the Face Off Friday section, uh, let, we're gonna do a shout out to uh, one of the other content creators in the network that we joined. So the Gateway Network, which you can find at www.thegatewaynetwork.com, mm-hmm. or they have an Instagram. Uh, it's on. If you click on like our 
website link and Instagram, you can get there. Yep. So e- each kind of board game episode, we're going to give a shout out to one of the content creators uh, that's in that network as well. And so last time we did Gamecasters. Mm-hmm. And so this week we are going to do Being Friends. And so Being Friends is uh, their YouTube channel primarily. So okay. not a podcast, not a, uh, they do have an Instagram, but they're primarily focused around a YouTube channel that's all about board games. Yep. No kidding, right? <laughs> they have, get this, they have like 1.3 thousand subscribers. They have 1,300 subscribers on YouTube. Like, that's a lot. Yeah, that's like, a lot for YouTube. I think we have like zero? Pro- yeah, mostly because we don't have a YouTube, but... Oh, we, no, we do. We just haven't uploaded anything. Oh, yeah, you're right. I, I did make a YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that now. Yeah, but... Well, I mean, they got us beat. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they have over 60,000 views on their videos. Yeah. Like, total. Congrats, guys. Yeah, no, phenomenal. But, like, what they, they kind of dive into a bunch of stuff, like, all throughout the hobbies. They have unboxings. They have recommendations. They have top five games. So, like, one of theirs is, like, top five roll and write games, which mm-hmm. is kind of fun because I only know, like, three of those. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> top five deck building games. And then they also have, like, strategy game or strategy videos which is i actually watched one of the videos before our spirit island podcast because they have a spirit island uh, strategy video oh, very cool. so what kind of like uh like time length are you looking at for those videos yeah they're not they're not super long i would say like 10 to 20 minutes depending okay. on the video so it, it, i mean it's not a time sink at all yeah but yeah the spirit island the seven tips so you can win win in spirit island so mm. like they, they've just got a, like a wide variety of videos out there so they also have an instagram so being friends official is their instagram mm-hmm. and then uh check out their show notes for a link and a uh, link to the gateway network but go check them out because they're, they're actually really fun they they were actually on game casters a couple episodes ago doing like a family feud with them oh cool so, <laughs> that's fun yeah so okay. yeah they're like really great content creator definitely check them out they're a lot of fun. Awesome. So, awesome. So let's hop into the Face-Off Friday. So the Face-Off Friday this week, I, I was trying to incorporate something from Terraforming Mars. And with Terraforming Mars, there's typically a lot of options available to you, not just two. And so, <laughs> That's true. So I was trying to figure out what to do and try and like, you know, what, what can I pit two things against each other? And so I actually pulled from the expansion content and I pulled from one of, one of the expansions called Hellas or Elysium. Mm-hmm. Th- what this is, is it's just, it's, it's a really small expansion. It's less than $20 and all it is is it's two different maps and so the base terraforming Mars comes with the standard map whereas uh this expansion comes with two new maps and so the 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 face-off Friday was which do you map do you like more do you like Hellas or do you like Elysium more and uh I think I don't think you've played you played one of these I don't know which one it was maybe I, I it was um I remember that it was it, there's like one that has you that has like like an Arctic Circle kind of thing. Yeah, it was not yeah, yeah. that one. It was the other. Oh, one. okay. So that was Elysium. Okay. You played in Elysium. Gotcha. Yeah. So the the other one, which is Hellas, is uh, they're all they are is just different faces of Mars. But mm-hmm. like Hellas has like the Arctic Circle where you have to get to make you know some fun decisions on you know do you want to go into the barren wasteland of what is the South, um, right. to get maybe a milestone, or do you want to go? I mean, like the North is like, you know, very like heavy with plants and just like robust. Uh, ecosystem okay it's just ready to like go and so it's kind of a fun little balance there so i actually enjoy uh hellas a little bit more okay each one of them changes the milestones and awards okay. so there there are now you know 15 milestones and 15 awards yeah that which that's probably a bigger deal even than changing the map itself. oh one, yeah, yeah absolutely 100 percent. it really breaks 
almost everything that we're going to talk about. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I'm, right. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, no, I, but, but I like 20% of the game changes. Cause yeah. I mean, there's a lot of your decisions are based on what milestones and awards are available. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like Hellas a little bit better. Instagram disagrees with me. They, oh. they prefer Elysium, um, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close. It's a 46 to 54 split. You can't go wrong with the expansion. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, typically what we do now is we just like dice off, uh, on what board we're going to oh, play. Yeah, on. Cool. So, just roll a d6 and, and that's also like that's like a 10 dollar expansion or something yeah like I, it's very cheap to i pick think up. retail it's like 20 but like it goes yeah. on sale for 10 every couple yeah. months like you you can pick it up pretty right pretty cheap so yeah it, yeah definitely i mean i think it, once you've played a couple times that's one probably worth picking yeah. up yep absolutely but segues are fun uh let's talk <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about terraforming mars yeah, let's, let's dive into the contents of the game so you want to yep. give us an overview of the game yeah, Terraforming Mars, so like you said earlier, number four on Board Game Geek. It's a game by Jacob Frixelius, produced by... Stronghold Games, yeah. Stronghold Games. Um, so Terraforming Mars, if you haven't played it, name it as the name implies, right, you're Terraforming Mars. That's the whole goal. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you are yeah. playing a massive corporation that is sort of investing in the terraforming of Mars, and, and the kind of the goal of the game is, well, goal of the game is to win, right? And you get victory points yeah. by <laughs> actively terraforming the planet and then kind of making it a more like habitable place to live, a more enjoyable place to live. Um, so that's kind of the the goal of the game. It is a card drafting game. Um, so you'll over the course of the game, you'll you and also an engine builder. So over the course of the game, you'll you'll draft cards to your hand. You'll play those cards as a part of that. You're building. That's what primarily is building your engine. The playing of the cards that you're getting. Um, that's probably like maybe eighty percent of it. There's also some what we call standard projects on the board. Um, those are like sort of have the same effects that cards do, but they're standard on the board. You can buy them at any time. Um, you're also playing as a corporation to give you some small asymmetrical player powers. Um, and then the game sort of ends when Mars is terraformed, right? So there's these three tracks. Um, and as we talk about uh, terraforming the planet, we're talking about increasing oxygen, increasing temperature, and then laying out ocean tiles. And that's kind of what ends the game. It makes a really interesting part of the game that we'll get into probably a little bit later, um, that the players have a lot of control over when the game ends because they are the ones that are actually actively terraforming the planet. Um, there's incentives for you to do that, but theoretically you could play a game that never ends, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you really can. Yeah, so it can be really long. I've had games that long in terms of rounds. So I've had games that mm -hmm. end in seven rounds. I've had games that go to 16 rounds. Yeah. And so th those games that go to 16 rounds basically every player is just working on building the engine and they don't want the game to end because they're building up victory points outside of terraforming Mars. They're getting sure. all the little victory points for maybe they have cows or something and they want the cows to multiply. So they're getting more victory points that way. Mm -hmm. I have played a lot of this game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how That's much... That's not an exaggeration. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know how much I've played. Uh, so we heard Charles... I haven't played as much as uh, Jacob's mom uh, <laughs> that Charles was talking about. Yeah. So I, I started like logging everything... All the statistics that I could for a lot of the games. And so mm -hmm. I have logged 25 of those games. That is not how many games I've played. I've played a lot more than that, but I yeah. like... Because when I, you started logging, that's actually terraforming. You were playing less terraforming Mars. Yeah. yeah you know, when yeah, you started yeah. logging than yeah. when you originally were. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of hours of your life sunk yeah. into this game. Oh, yeah. I, I, I do really, really like this game because yeah. it and it's gotten to the level where I know... Like you said, it's a card drafting, so there's a giant deck of cards that you're drawing from. Mm -hmm. Each one is unique, 100% yeah, unique. Yeah, which is really cool, which is, you know, what kind of, I think, bumped up our components rating when we did the mech system. I wanted yeah. to rate it at like a four. And, and I talked you, you up. You talked me up. <laughs> <laughs> Just because of all the unique cards yeah. and the unique art. So I think for our analysis here, what we're basically going to have to kind of walk through is you're, basically in this game, what you do is you buy things. Like that's that's the main thing that you do on your turn. There are a, a couple other actions that you can do, but that's, it's basically most of your actions are what do you want to buy? So we're going to kind of walk through like what are the things that you can buy in the game and, and why they're good and, and how to evaluate them and how to make those decisions. 
Um, the next kind of big decision you have to make is like, well, when do I want to buy these things, right? Because some of these things, I'm going to draft the card, it's going to be in my hand, but I can play it now or I can play it several rounds from now. Um, so that's kind of a big decision you have to make over the course of the game. We'll talk through when do you buy things. And the last big decision um, is actually the one that you make right at the start of the game. At the start of the game, you get to choose your corporation. Um, and that will, I mean, sometimes I guess you could just like deal them out to people. We usually deal people to corporations and let them choose between those two and the beginner corporation. Um, and, and choose between those three, um, which I think is considered to be kind of the more balanced way to play because then you see your hand of starting cards and it becomes kind of this really important, interesting decision and it's the first thing you do in the game, right? The, those, that's the three sections that we're going to kind of break this up into is like mm -hmm. what you can buy, when you should buy it, and then the corporations that kind of give that slight asymmetrical power. It's not game breaking. It's not right. you know something like Gaia Project, right? Where it's you play the game differently. Right. <laughs> Whereas right. like maybe you just get an extra production to start out, and some cards cost a little bit less. So it kind of yeah. gives you like a path forward. Yeah. Rather than a bit of direction. Like, rather than you have to utilize this to win the game. I, I don't necessarily think that that is correct. Right. Uh, that's a correct statement for this game. Like if you kind of ignore your corporation, you're probably going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage, but you can probably still win. So real quick, there's a lot of expansions to this game. We're going to limit our content uh, discussion in this episode to specifically the base game of Terraforming mm -hmm. Mars. But I do want to highlight some of the expansions real quick just to kind of talk about them because I think that it is important to talk about them. Prelude is, is one of the expansions where in addition to the 10 cards that you look at at the beginning of the game and your corporation, you get to look at four uh, prelude cards, which kind of just kickstarts your engine. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of like speeds up the game a little bit. I think it... Right. And you pick like You two pick of two them. of the four. Yeah. 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 So it, it does make the initial decision a lot heavier. Yeah. Um, because you're, you know, you're picking a lot. You're trying to set up everything. But it probably cuts around a half hour off of the game. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, needed. Uh, yeah, the first can... like two rounds feel kind of lame. Yep, yep. <laughs> and I think the biggest slash only complaint with terraforming Mars uh, is that it can run long. So mm -hmm. w without the prelude cards, it can run upwards of three, four hours. Yeah, which is a hefty game. It's a it's For a hefty sure. game. But the prelude cards kind of kick off the engine. I if I was talking to someone, I would. I have told people and will tell people to buy Terraforming Mars and Prelude at the same time. Like, I, yeah. I don't think that you're not buying an expansion. You're buying the rest of the game. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I really, and it's 20, 25 bucks. And it's not a huge expansion. It comes with a deck of cards. It comes with some extra corporations, which is kind of fun. Yeah. But it, it's almost necessary. And it also helps new players as well because yeah. it does give a little bit more of a defined path. Yeah, because uh, yeah, the game is kind of we described it as like wide and flat, like, right? Yeah, Where like yeah. each every card is not complicated, but like every card is different. There's just a ton of options that you have in order to like to kind of pursue victory. So the fact that it it's like leaders in Seven Wonders, yeah, people describe yeah, it absolutely. as that expansion a lot or compare the two because it sort of gives you like okay, I know that things are complicated. It feels like this expansion is giving you more things to do, but really it's kind of actually narrowing your scope of realistic maybe strategies. It's like okay, you're gonna be the guy who pursues plants. Based yeah. on the corporations you were dealt, the cards you were dealt, you're starting preludes, like plants and greenery tiles, that's a good direction for you. You should pick that. The other one that I wanted to highlight would be the one that we talked about in the face-off Friday, which is the Hellas and Elysium. Yeah. Uh, just, it's two boards, and you don't really need this until you've played at least 10 games, yeah. I, I would say. Right. Because it once you've played that many, like the board and the milestones and the awards, yeah, can get pretty... Uh, stale. standard and yeah. stale and so if you add those two boards into the mix it really opens up just a lot of depth i think yeah, to the game so sure. th those are the two there are three other ones which i i've heard mediocre things about venus next uh colonies which are kind of two that 
Yeah. Meh. And Meh. then didn't really do very well. Don't really add like they add. They're one of those things that like they're adding a new thing to do that like the game already has enough to do. Yeah. You know? Which I would take out if we're playing with new players. Yeah. So true. Like, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's adding stuff for the sake of adding stuff. Right. And then the uh, the last official expansion to the game is Turmoil, which adds like a kind of a politics phase. I've okay. not played it. I bought it. I kickstarted it because it has the dual later player boards. There you go. <laughs> um, but like, it's just never been something that I've felt compelled to add. Uh, and then the last thing, which I will say is a good buy, is Board Game Geek did kind of a competition on developing your own corporations. Mm. And so you can go to Board Game Geek, and I think it's five bucks. You can buy, I think it's three user-generated corporations, oh, that's which are just kind of fun. So yeah. um, I, I would say, you know, once you've played a couple of the corporations, those are just kind of fun to play. They're they're just kind of unique, and they like they're all voted on, and so mm. you're, they're not o- overpowered, underpowered, or anything. But yeah. they do kind of like like I think one of them deals a lot with like uh, microbes, which is not something that you see a lot in the yeah, corporation world in the sure. base or some of the expansions. So for sure. just wanted to talk about that, but we are limiting our discussion to the base game, terraforming mm-hmm. Mars. Yep. Um, so all of, all of this kind of falls into that. So let's talk about what you can buy. Yeah. What you can buy. And this, this game is one of the first games where I think we really started getting into the math of games um, yeah. because this, this game does an incredible job of being like inherently balanced. And so you, you can find a link in the show notes. Um, there's some really good analysis analyses that have been done online um, where people have taken the whole kind of uh, the the range of all of the cards that are available and uh, and and broken them down in terms of uh, price and what they do and that sort of thing and there's really only a handful of things that cards actually do some cards have like unique individual effects but maybe 60 70 percent of the cards have uh, they're giving you some combination of a couple of different things um, and so when you can take those couple of different things compare them to the cost of the cards you can actually back out kind of the cost of the individual actions um, and get a spread for what that kind of means. So I want to talk about that um, a little bit. This is this is again information that we kind of we didn't necessarily do the analysis ourselves, but is kind of readily available online and and kind of adds to your I guess understanding and playing of and your strategy in the game. Yeah. So I think you probably found the same uh, <laughs> the same analysis that I did. And I'm I sure d- I did because I shared it with you like two yeah. years ago. <laughs> and, and that, <laughs> that, that like kind of kicked off kind of how I approach the game and it really changed the way that i look at it yeah. but i do want to call out the board game user i shang yang which yeah. we will link all of that it's built off a lot of the analysis that research that they have done mm-hmm. um so uh it's, which we appreciate yeah we, we really <laughs> appreciate because it really opened our eyes to the math of the game yeah. um and saved us a lot of time <laughs> a lot of time but so there there's a lot of different ways you can pay for we call them patents in terraforming Mars. So mm-hmm. the cards that you are drafting and typically the way that you pay for them is money. So just straight up money. If you have money conditions, I think it's called mega credits, Something but like that, yeah. from here on out, we're probably just going to use money. money. <laughs> um, so this is just like your gold in the game. So typically a card will have a cost in gold, mm-hmm. but sometimes you can supplement that cost with steel or titanium, which is another production that you can raise for your corporation. Right. Yeah. On on your player board, these are the top three areas. The top three areas yep. are your money, steel, and titanium because they're the resources that you buy things with. The other kind of cost to the card is any time that you would have to take a negative in something, negative in production. Right. And so you'll see this a lot with cities. This this is probably the main. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the main thing that you would see this in is like typically cities you have to decrease your energy production 
by one or two, and then you get to place a city on the board. But that I would consider that a cost. Yeah, for sure. Kind of what the research did online is they kind of broke it down and figured out what all of that is in terms of just money value. So mm-hmm. we, we've normalized to money. And the reason this is useful is because um, when you look at cards, that's kind of an average. It's not a strict rule. Right. right. So there are cards that are less than efficient, right? There are cards where um, you're going to pay more than probably you should pay. And, and and sometimes that's there there are other things going on in the card that like make it so that it's like kind of balanced out. And sometimes you're looking at a card and you're like, even though I know I'm paying overpaying for this slightly, like I need it right now. And so I'm going to go ahead and pay that cost, right? Um, but kind of understanding some of these costs helps you as a player pursue the most efficient because money is like the thing that is the kind of the equalizer across all the players yeah, right where yeah, yeah. you generally have about the same amount of money and so your goal is to be spending your resources more efficiently than the other players that's how you're going to end up winning and so let's talk first about terraforming the things that give okay, you yeah, terraforming because yeah. like we said there's three main paths to terraform there's increasing temperature increasing oxygen or placing an ocean tile Temperature and oxygen, doing either of those things will generate a, a TR for you, what we call a terraforming rating. We'll abbreviate that TR. It's one of the ways you can score victory points in the game. Um, it also contributes to your base income every every time, right? And so anytime that you can buy a TR straight out, that's going to average out to about 10 money cost because of that temperature and oxygen are the, are the same because they will, uh, buying either of those will generate you one TR um, and really no other benefit. Um, so both of those costs tend to kind of match the cost for a terraforming rating. Um, you also get a TR when you place an ocean tile. Ocean tiles generally cost 14. Um, the reason for that, that extra four, um, is because anytime you place a tile on the board, that's pricing out to about four. And so that's kind of where that math comes from. It's the 10 from the TR and then the four from from the ocean tile. Um, and also, by the way, I, we kind of forgot to mention, when, when these costs are calculated, it's, it's including the three that it, money that it, cost to put the card into your hand right because when anytime you draft a card it costs you three money um so this is kind of like including that number uh the other kind of like income so like your steel production is typically worth around eight money mm-hmm. uh titanium is worth 10 and all of this will be in the show notes we just want to kind of like preface it so that when we're doing math later <laughs> it kind of yeah, makes, it sense. makes so, sense yeah um so those, those are your other incomes is like one titanium production is going to be worth around 10 money yeah and again all of this is pretty subject and this is why the game is so good is because sometimes you need to overpace for something to get that spot on the board to get the milestone and those are all tactical decisions that you have to make while playing the game for sure yeah and in terms of like increasing your production of something all of the like in i'm gonna all the things that are like i want to increase my production of something they all price out between five and ten money is the lowest if i want to increase the amount of money that i get per turn that's about five money um, and then, like you said, titanium uh, maxes it out with 10. The other things are kind of spread in between there. So that's another thing that you can kind of do is like, if you're like, I can't remember all of these individual numbers, like, because that takes way too much time. And like, you're not an epic competitive player of terraforming Mars. Right, you just right, want right. to be good. Remember that like anything that increases terraforming is 10, except for oceans, which is 14. And then all the production things are kind of like five to 10. And so if you're, if you're kind of, if you're kind of uh, doing your own math in your head, you're like, okay, I could probably use something like seven and that'll probably get me about close to where I need to be. The other thing that I will talk about is that uh, some of the cards have prerequisites. So kind of like a max temperature rating or mm. a minimum temperature rating, a minimum oxygen level. A lot of those will typically be cheaper. So mm-hmm. yeah. like there's one. There's, Which makes sense because like they're harder to play. They're harder to play. And so there, there are some like the science route. So there's science tags in the game. If you have you know seven science tags, you can buy this card that's worth like, I think it's three victory points. All your future cards cost two less and it costs yeah. like 14 money. And yeah. it's like, that's an amazing value, but you have to have the, I think it's either five or seven science tags, which is like 
a lot of science tags. Like you have yeah. to have committed to that strategy. Uh, <laughs> like all the prereqs kind of mess with the the money. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. And then the other thing that kind of messes with like the group cost is you get kind of a bulk discount. Um. So when you purchase a card. Like, for instance, Subterranean Reservoir is a card. It costs 11 money, and you place one Ocean Tile. Like I, like we said earlier, placing an Ocean Tile generally costs 14. That includes the cost to put it in your hand. And so uh, Subterranean Reservoir is right on track. It costs 11. Three to put it in your hand brings it up to 14. That's the average for an Ocean Tile. That's a perfectly fair card. Yep. Right? Um, as you start to get into cards like, like Lava Flow is 18 money. It raises temperature two steps and allows you to place a tile. Overall, that should cost out to 21 and then plus three to be 24 because that would be the two temperature steps for 10 each and then placing a tile on the board is generally about four money so that was how you get to 24 um, but the card actually costs 18 plus three to get it in your hand is 21 um, so the card is kind of like group discounted right um, one of the cards that benefits the most from that is ice asteroid giant ice asteroid um, raise temperature <laughs> two steps card. i know it's crazy good <laughs> if you ever see this card you should just take it just yeah so nobody else gets it even if you don't want to <laughs> yeah. play it because it's crazy good 36 money raise temperature two steps place two ocean tiles trash six plants from another player um, which is brutal it's brutal it's brutal ignoring the trash plant thing that card should cost 45 base and it actually costs 36 base right yep. so that's an enormous discount that you're getting it's an, if you're getting if you're able to play that at a time where you get the benefits from all like raising temperature two steps you get the benefits from placing ocean tiles because like they those tracks haven't maxed out or something like that that's an incredibly powerful card to play i i, I kind of think of it as like you're shopping at costco so if there's a lot of things on the card typically it's a better value right but it's going to cost a lot so it's going to cost 36 there's cards out there that cost 41 yeah. there's cards that are really expensive and at the beginning of the game you're pretty cash strapped for sure but some of those benefits can really jumpstart the engine. So there's a real strategy to holding on to money. You don't have to spend all your money. Yeah. Like every single round. Like you can hold on to a lot of money. And I do this a lot where I will hold on to 15, 20 money just so I can play the 41 cost of maybe, you know, oh, round for sure. three or four. Yeah. Where and take like, advantage of that group discount. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The other, the other great equalizer for kind of looking at whether or not you should play cards or buy cards is the standard projects that are available to all players at all mm. times. Mm -hmm. And so there, there's a myriad of standard projects where you can spend like 11 money to raise your energy production one. Yeah. And so that that's inefficient, right? Because right. an energy production is typically worth about seven. Yeah. Where, But it's always available to you and you don't necessarily have to have the card to do it. Yeah. You can raise the temperature for 14, mm -hmm. place an ocean for 18, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so these are kind of other things that you can kind of look at to see um, when, if you want to play a card or you can buy the standard project. I would say typically the standard projects are, okay, no, always the standard projects are inefficient unless you can get something else out of it. Mm. Take a, take aquifer for example the standard project aquifer it's 18 money to build an ocean tile which uh -huh. typically is around a 14 money value right if you whenever you place next to an ocean tile you get two money mm. that's just a rule in the game so if you can play aquifer and place next to two ocean tiles you break even yeah so yeah. that that's one thing that i look at for but sure typically when i'm looking at these if i can get that that's great, but if I can play it and get two plants, which allows me to then convert my plants into a greenery tile, that that's a worthy buy at that point. Yeah, for sure. You're starting now. You're like benefiting the two. Yep. And, and with the standard projects, they are across the board. They are always averaging out to four money more expensive than if you got it on a card. Because like you said, energy production is a great example. It costs eleven for the standard project. It's seven on a card. Ocean tile. It costs eighteen on a standard project. It's fourteen on a card. Um, so they're always four more. And so that's a really good rule of thumb that you can kind of keep track of. And then the other thing I think to keep in mind there 
is that the standard projects are available to everyone, right? Yep. And so if you don't pay for that standard project to place an ocean tile next to two other ocean tiles, somebody else will, right? Because it's available to them just like it's available to you. It's a really good thing that it's in the game because you can you have like all of these steps to terraform the planet within the standard projects because you can increase temperature, you can place you can place greenery tiles to raise oxygen, and you can place ocean tiles. Um, so the t the planet can be terraformed just by playing the standard projects. No, no, yeah. Um, so it's just like a nice option to have, mm -hmm. um, and it you can if you don't necessarily have the card, you can rush to get. Maybe it's a milestone. So let's talk about milestones a little bit. Yeah. So milestones, there's two different like kind of things at the bottom of the board called milestones and awards. So each one of these, only three of each can be funded. Milestones are, you know, the first to get it. And then awards are kind of assessed at the end of the game, whoever has the most. Yeah. Milestones, again, only three of them can be funded. And um, it like I think you described it pretty well. It's kind of like the first part of the game. Like, mm -hmm. You want to try and typically, actually, I've never had a game where not three milestones have been funded. Yeah, in the in the 540 games that are analyzed on um, on on the data that we were that we were pulling from, like for th for two, three, four, and five player games, only one of those categories did not add up to where every single game had played. That's crazy. And all the milestones had been <laughs> bought, and then it was only like three of the games out of like a couple, like 300 or something like that. And like I think it was in the four player games where like not all uh, so the milestones always get bought. That's the moral of the story. The milestones <laughs> yeah, yeah. always get bought. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. There, there's a reason for that. So each of the milestones is worth five victory points which is a significant portion of your victory points. I would say it's, it's also kind of hard to judge, you know, average scores in this game because, yeah, it depends you know, you lot. have games that go seven rounds and you have games that go 16 rounds. And yeah. obviously, you know, the 16 round games, I think the score was about 180. Mm -hmm. Whereas like I've had scores where the winning score is less than 100. Right. And so, you know, yeah. it's kind of hard to judge, but like five points is a significant amount yeah, you know it could be you know over five percent if you're playing with a higher player count. Oh, for sure. Uh, Especially since getting a victory point off of a card will generally price out to about five money. So a milestone, like like you said, a milestone costs eight, right? And so it should be giving like to get five victory points, you should have to pay twenty five money at the one to five ratio. But instead, you're only paying eight. It's like this. It's the most ridiculous discount available yeah, in the game. Absolutely. And then these are all kind of there. There's five of them, and so the first one is Terraformer, which is yep. the first person. Or if you have, and these are all like minimum requirements. So it's not the first person automatically gets it. You actually have to spend an action to yeah. buy it to yeah. fund it. And the eight money, yeah, to buy and it. So Terraformer is the first person to reach uh, 35 terraforming rating. Yep. If you do that, you you have the money to fund, <laughs> to fund it. So <laughs> yeah. I, I think that one is a pretty standard one that gets funded. Uh, it kind of depends on the strategy. Yeah, and that's one, actually, interestingly enough, that gets funded less often if you're playing with more players. Yeah. Which yeah, makes yeah. sense because there's less to terraform, right? Like the, the terraforming of the game, the steps that you have to terraform the planet don't change with the number of players. Um, and so if you're in a two-player game, you both have to terraform the planet a whole bunch and you have to be both actively doing it and if you're in a five-player game then that kind of gets spread out it gets harder to score terraformer and so 73 percent of games that are two-player someone will score terraformer and only 19 percent of games in five-player will someone score terraformer it's a yeah. huge gap between that's the two. interesting yeah uh the next one is mayor it's if you have three city tiles on the game that are under that are your city tiles you can fund mayor yeah and so city tiles typically generate income so again you're probably going to have the money to be able to fund mayor yeah city tiles also are a great way to score victory points again there's a standard project to just like directly go and buy them if you yep. want the most it's expensive a, standard project yeah it's it's pricey you'll pay for it the interesting thing is most cities on the cards when you play them they cost energy and that can be prohibitive sometimes you don't have enough energy to even be able to play the card um but the standard project does not 
right? It's just a strict benefit. You get to place the city tile and you get like a money production off yep. of it or something like that. So, um, yeah, it can be a pretty good way to just kind of directly pursue mayor. Uh, and then the next one is very similar to mayor. It's called gardener. And instead of having three city tiles, it's having three uh, greenery tiles out on the board right. under your influence. And so this one, I think, probably gets funded fairly often. Yeah, I think overall, I think it's the second most under the, under Builder, the next yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, um, so, Interestingly, in a five-player game, I don't know why this is, but in the 215, in the database we were looking at, in the 215 five-player games that were recorded, 100% of the games Gardner was funded. Well, okay. That's yeah, I don't cool. know like why that is. Like, I don't know what forces a five-player game to fund Gardner of all things. I would say you're probably not funding Terraformer. You're not funding right. Planner because no one funds Planner. Uh, right. You're probably not funding. Or so no, that I mean that leaves Mayor, Gardner, and Builder. Yeah, and I don't know why it's not just those three 100%, you know, <laughs> for one, like there there are yeah. still I think like Planner there are still players that can be like, okay, Planner, I can actually go get. Right. Yeah. Nobody can stop me from getting. And so, like, I think there's a reason for that. And I would also say, like, whenever you place a greenery tile on the board, you get a terraforming rating. So I think, you know, mm. uh, Gardner kind of built into terraformer. Or it can. Yeah. So yeah. that's probably why, you know, and also, like, greenery tiles score you a lot of victory. Yeah. I, I think deal. that probably because the, typically the five player games are shorter rounds. Mm-hmm. And so that can. I think you're right. I think it's just a very direct way to go. Yeah get victory points i think people make kind of their little clusters and you know of of a city surrounded by a couple of greeneries and yep. like and that's and that's what it is yep. so so the the fourth one is builder and so this one doesn't have anything to do with kind of like the map like the last two have but mm-hmm. this one is whenever you play a card they'll have specific tags on it i there's probably 10 or so in the game probably yeah, 11 like or so um and this builder is a specific tag which is the one that you can use steel to discount the price yes and builder is if you have eight building tags on any of your cards yeah so that could be your corporation that could be your prelude cards or that could be card standard or that could be patents that you have built or funded right and so and like i said this is overall the most purchased card or sorry the most purchased milestone so 82 percent of games some overall like regardless of player count 82 percent of games somebody will buy this um and it actually ranges from like 85 to 86 so it's very consistent that and most of that is because there's a couple different corporations that like very naturally lead into this and so it's common that there's kind of a competition going on for builder yeah so like mining guild gives you two building tags Right. Straight up. So yep. Straight up. Out of the eight <laughs> that you need, you starting off with two. Yeah. So, uh, and then you know it starts with the you get some steel, which helps you buy building cards. So I think it's one of the most attainable ones. It's just, it's just For sure. it comes very naturally to a lot of the corporations. Yep. And then the last one is planner, which yep. planner's uh, garbage. Yeah, planner's garbage. So planner's <laughs> having sixteen cards in your hand, yep. um, which ironically, if you have sixteen cards in your hand, you probably haven't played cards to get you money to buy planner um yeah <laughs> but like, you are actively losing the game by having all of your resources tied up in cards in your hand instead of on the field yeah so getting I, benefits overall about 22 percent of games somebody will fund planner and it ranges from like 20 to 25 over the player counts gotcha it actually increases with the number of players i, I believe yeah. that's because as more players are in the game there's more competition for milestones and yep. planner becomes a very consistent like i know i can go get that and nobody will stop me. yeah just to co- contrast like planner to gardener so planner is actually only cost like 48 money to fund mm-hmm. um compare that to gardener which is around 69 using the math um mm-hmm. of like you know buying greenery tiles and everything uh but so like it is you know 21 cheaper mm-hmm. but with gardener you get three terraforming rating which is worth 30 you get you bring the cost down to you know 39 from 69 and then it also builds your engine it yep you know it's just like you've gotten bonuses from the board anytime yeah. you place those so tiles it's, it's just it, it's really hard to i i have never seen planner played 
Yeah. Uh, I typically play two players. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, maybe that's it. But it's also just like our we're we're engine builders. That that's the type of game that we like to play, and it's very anti-engine building to fun planner. <laughs> yeah, because you're sinking your resources into not generating more resources. You're sinking resources strictly into having float, which is yeah. really hard to come back yep. from. Yep. Yep. Um, let's talk about awards. I think we'll take less time here because I think awards generally influence the game less, right? In, in terms uh, yeah, of yeah. They, they influence the strategy of your game less. Um, I think basically you hit a point somewhere in the game where you're like, oh, right, I have to, like after all the milestones are funded, where you're like, I, I want to purchase awards because they are, um, they're efficient for me. They're efficient ways to purchase victory points. Um, but as you purchase awards, they get more expensive. So the first one costs uh, eight the second one, what does the second one cost? Uh, 14. 14. That's right. It's just splitting the difference. Yeah, 14, yeah. and then the last one's 20. And so there are lots of, not lots of, but there are uh, games across the database where not all three awards are bought. And that makes sense because it, at the last one costs 20, and that's kind of expensive. The exception is that in five-player games, 100% of five-player games, all three awards were purchased. That- and that's because access to victory points is scarcer in five player games. Yeah. And I, that's what I was going to bring up is that I typically play two players, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and with unlike milestones awards, the first player gets five points and then the second player, the whoever's in second place gets two victory points. So in a two player game, like you're only buying three victory points. Right. And so with 20 money, you can get three victory points in more efficient ways. So I think we yeah. typically will only ever fund two. That makes sense, yeah. Math-wise, um, that makes sense. But, like, we'll run through them just real quick. Landlord is the most tiles on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I will say that I, I I don't I have not seen the data that you're looking at. Okay. But I would assume that at least one always gets played. At least one uh, oh, award? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because yeah. the first one is just a milestone. It, yeah, it's just a milestone. So, yeah. and, and you can fund Because these... they're working out to, like, where it's, like, two and two-thirds yeah. awards per, per game-ish. Yep. Yeah, so maybe maybe like in a five player game, you can look and see right. who the second player is, and then you know that maybe you can fund landlord. You're gonna win landlord, and he's not gonna score in landlord, which gets you a boost on that second place player. Mm-hmm. You know, so th- there's a little bit of that. The other thing I like, I probably should have mentioned a little bit earlier that I really like about terraforming Mars is that uh, your strategy is really heavily dictated upon what other players are doing. So if you see another player like is ge- gearing up to you know take that spot on the board that you really want maybe you overpay for that city you pay the standard project for that city and mm-hmm. uh you know place the city and so there's terraforming mars when i first started playing was a very solitaire like a multiplayer solitaire is kind of how those games are defined but as i've like played a lot more i pretty much know what everyone else is doing on the at the table yeah um which i think is kind of fun yeah so yeah go for it yeah no i was just i was just gonna keep kind of walking us through the rest of them bankers having the highest money production at the end of the game that's one that it actually seems like oh i should go for that one because like that's winning the game right except for towards the end of the game you kind of find that you have more money than you have ways to get victory points um and so the kind of benefits from banker kind of like fall off um scientists having the most science tags i think that's one of those that's actually that is one of the most ones that's most frequently purchased because it's one of the ones that's most that's easiest to lock down. You know, like once you get like three science tags ahead of everybody else, it's like nobody's gonna catch you. Like that's just yeah. so yep. inconvenient to go find like science tag cards that actually like will help your current strategy. Um, so that's one to very like seriously consider. Um, Thermalist, another one to very seriously consider having the most heat at the end of the game. Um, if you are able to push heat early and use that to convert into temperature, Thermalist is very natural to buy because now you have a very high heat production and everybody else has very low heat production and you have nothing else in the game to spend your heat on once all the temperature is raised. And so Thermalist can be kind of like a free win for that, basically a, a way to convert that back into value for you. 
Um, and then miner having the most resources at the end of the game, like resource tokens. So unspent steel, unspent titanium tokens it can kind of be a dangerous one because it's kind of, again, encouraging you to float resources, but you do produce at the end of your last turn. So if you have the highest production of those things um, amongst the board and nobody else banks those tokens, um, you can you can basically win that on the last turn. Yeah. Um, they're fairly evenly purchased across, like none of them really stand out. I think Scientist and Thermalist probably stand out slightly higher than the other ones. Again, I think that's because of the easiest to know I have that locked down. Whereas like um, land Landlord having tokens on the board, Banker and Miner, it feels like you could lose those. They're harder to yep. kind of, when you purchase them to lo- know that they're going to be locked in at the end of the game. Yeah, especially like Banker because money, yeah. money production swings can be crazy i think banker's a trap i think people think they have it locked down i've stolen banker from so many new players yeah because i mean there there are cards in the game that give you a straight five increase in money production which like you don't see that coming or there are games where it's like increasing your money production for every tag you have yeah like every earth tag there's a card for that it's just crazy benefits and at the end of the game if players don't see that coming that could be seven ten yeah that you're not benefiting from, but you're getting five victory points if you play it. So, so maybe maybe that's the strategy that we want to talk about is like don't necessarily fund banker, but if someone else does, see if you can steal it. Yeah, because see then you, can you steal it. get the victory points without paying the money. For sure. So, so that that's always good. Do you want to hop into kind of like the timing of this game, or like when you would want to maybe spend your money? Yeah, for sure. Because I think um, I think these two things we just talked about, milestones and awards. I think they most uh, more than any other part of the game, timing is a big part of them. Um, so let's talk first, like, again, from the database, two-player games are tending to take around 13 turns. Three- and four-player games are like 10, 11 turns. Five-player games are nine. That makes sense because as there are more players in the game, those, ga- those there are more people actively terraforming the planet. The, the game's going to take a less amount of time, right? Short amount of time. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think mostly if you were, like, kind of building your strategy based on 10 to 11 turns, I think that's a good kind of rule of thumb. Again, the only thing that really breaks that is, like, the two-player game where it jumps up to 13. Yep, <laughs> or sixteen. I, I think I, I think my my longest round game that I have tracked is sixteen. Yeah, which yeah. was I think it was like over four hours. Like it was. That's a lot. We were both like, Mars. like we were. Yeah, we we had both just like built these income engines and just like we we're buying so many Jovians and just so many yeah. tags and everything and like so many victory points on cards, and then we we're just like. No one's terraforming. This game is going to take four. We're like looking. It's yeah. like heat's at like minus twelve. I'm like, oh, you're like holding on to all these like <laughs> cards. You're like, yeah. man, when I hit the requirement for this heat card, yeah. it's gonna be great. Yeah. So there, there's some of the timing, some of the obvious timing, I would say, is you know there are you know min max requirements on some of the cards. So you cannot play this card unless you have at least four percent oxygen. Mm-hmm. So th- those are some timings that you would want to hold on to. We're kind of not going to really dive into that just because that's just a requirement for the card to play. Right. Uh, circling back just real quickly is those those cards are probably typically a little bit cheaper right um, yeah like we said you're getting a benefit from that so yeah. if you think the planet's going to be warmed up quickly you know because there's like a certain player a helios player doing something or you have some cards to help with that it can be a really good early draft to get a cheap card yep so let's talk about milestones and awards and when you yeah. would want to fund those and so it's it, because only three of those can get funded it's very timely you don't necessarily want to wait forever to fund your milestones, especially milestones. Yeah. And then you want to be the first one to fund an award if you are planning to fund an award because it saves you seven money. Right. right? So, but let's talk about milestones. And yeah. so if you, if you're looking out and you're seeing like, okay, I have two greenery tiles on the board and Dalton also has two greenery tiles on the board. I want to maybe use my two actions on my turn to play a third and fun gardener. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. that could be something. The other the the other side of that coin is if no milestones are fun re, are funded at all, 
and I have three greenery tiles on the board and no one has anything else, I'm not going to fund Gardner yet. Right. Uh, because I can hold on to that eight money and spend it to build up and then yeah. uh, maybe get another one. So if I see Dalton's going for cities, maybe I'm going to try and beat him to the mayor. Right. And then I can fund Gardner later. Right. Especially since eight money in the game is pretty paltry. Right. That's kind of chump change. You're going to get that at the start of any given round. And so you'll be able to purchase it whenever you need to. You just have to be very sure. Right. Yep. And, yep. and things like things like Gardner can that can help because it's like, OK, I'm pretty solid that I'm nobody's going to jump up three when I wasn't expecting it. Um, but we talk about this a lot because like mile if like if I'm in a two player game and with you and you purchase all three milestones, you're going to win that game. I, I, like they're that powerful. I actually have had a game where I purchased all three and lost the game. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was embarrassing. But but yes, ninety nine percent of the time. Ninety nine percent of the time, like I mean, it's it's a very very strong indicator. Um, they are mostly claimed by round like three or four. Yeah, all of them will so, start yeah. to be gone. Um, because if not, somebody's gonna be like, wait, I can go get that, and then they're gonna go by round five. Most people have big enough engines to where they can just go purchase one if yep. they need to. They yep. can force their way into it. Um, so that's kind of like a thing to start is like, okay, at the start of this game, which one am I going for? And how am I going to get there by like round three or four? You know, can I then be competitive in a second one? You know, now you're really starting to get ahead. And, and that's one of the main decisions that I'm looking at is I know what the milestones are. When I'm looking at my 10 cards and my, my corporation card, it's like if I have eight building tags in my hand, right. ooh, ooh, that's pretty good. Maybe that's I want to take good. that beginner corp. Right. Yeah. I can keep all of those and I can actually play them, grab the builder. So mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of decisions there. And then, if you if you if you're choosing between two, choose the one that is uh, the other person is closest to. Yeah, for sure. So for sure. Um, yeah, the more comp- the more competitive one, the one that's more competed for or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then and then awards awards get a little trickier. I think they generally start scoring after milestones. That would be a pretty good rule of thumb. Yeah. Like I don't I haven't played as much as you. I don't know that I've really seen an award purchase before all of the milestones were gone though. I I don't think I've ever. Yeah, I don't think I think you fund milestones in maybe the third. The first third of the game, right. the middle third of the game, you're kind of building that engine placing, and then the last third is when you start to see the award or the or sorry the awards yeah. built. Yeah, the awards being bought up. I think the earliest you can start to consider an award would be like round five or six, and you would have to be fairly confident, right? Because somebody needs to go steal, will have to go, could go steal it from you, so you kind of have to be like committed. Um, but again, things like Thermalist, if you're like kind of down that path already, if somebody wants to invest in that and steal it from you, like they're probably over investing in it, you know, because it's they're probably losing money to do that. Um, so it's going to suck that you're going to not get first place, but you will still get second. And the important thing there is that the first time an award is bought, again, it only costs eight. If you only get two victory points from that, you're ahead because the victory point yep, on absolutely. average costs five. So even if you take second place from the first one, so long as it's not a two-player game, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's a three, four-player game, it, even if you only get second, it was still worth your eight points to do that. The other kind of timing going into like the patents would be um, like what I said earlier is you, you may want to hold on to some money so that you can play a bigger patent early right. next round. Yep. Because you know if something costs thirty-one and your only your income is only let's say twenty-five at the beginning of the game. Uh, you can hold on to six money from your first round and then be able to purchase the 31 card next turn. I don't know if that's going to be a good call. That's the tactical decision that you have to make while playing. Mm. But if you spend that six money, say on, I don't know, something that's not necessarily getting you to your end goal, then you Mm. have to wait two more turns (laughs) until until you can. So, um, whereas, you know, those, those higher cost cards, if you can get one of them out early, that can really kickstart what you're what you're trying to do and maybe you you know your your third turn is a dud right Right. you only play that card but then your fourth and fifth turn are going to be badass right yeah because you have so much more income you have the plants to play you have you know your terraforming went up 
four because right. you play that card like that i mean that's just a really good value for your money especially early in the game yeah and you can definitely do the math too of um okay i have 18 money i have a card here that costs 16 if i delay playing it in favor of trying to build up my money to buy this other thing that costs like 34 or something um what am i really losing you know i'm losing like the one or two money income i'm losing like maybe one plant income or something like that and you can kind of back the math out and be like okay so i'm losing overall like two money so this card costs is, is effectively costing 18 if i play it next round instead of 16 this round would i still play it you know and you can kind of work yourself through that and be like okay maybe it is worth waiting and playing this big card uh, big, playing this big card next time, getting those bulk discounts. That <laughs> yeah. Costco membership. That Costco membership. And uh, the the other thing is you kind of know what the average length of the game is going to be. So right. it's going to be, you know, uh, 9, 10, 11, 12 turns. Yeah. And so you can look at that and it's like, okay, I'm going to pay a lot for... I, I, I'm trying to think of a card off the top of my head. I can't. But say say you're going to pay a lot in turn 11 for, you know, five money production. That's probably not worth it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But if you play Because you know it, you only got one or two turns yep. left. Yep. So. And so you're, you're never going to... There's no return on investment in that card unless it gives you victory points or something other. Right? Yeah. Um, so that that's something that you have to weigh. But then, you know, if you play that in round seven, then you then have round eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12. So you have five rounds. So that's giving you 25 money over the course of the game. Yeah. So, like, this game is all about timing. And that's what I really like about it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The uh, the in terms of predicting the end of the game, there, there's two things I would say. The first is that we we're saying okay, the game's going to take ten or eleven rounds. Um, if you're playing the game for your first time, you're going to get to round eight, and you're going to think there's no way this game is ending in three rounds. Oh, it will. And you, it, it, will, <laughs> it, will, it, will, it will. It will. The game is exponential. It ramps, and people start terraforming faster as the game goes on. So you'll be like half ter- the ter- the planet will be like half terraformed around like round seven or eight. It's not going to be round five that is half terraformed. It's going to be like round seven, eight, and then at the, and then all of a sudden the game's going to end, and everyone's going to be looking around in the last round like holy crap, this is the last round. And everybody freaks out, right? Yeah. Um, but if you're the guy who prepared for that and you knew that, then you have a serious advantage. And I, I also think the, the the timing of, you know, not when to play, but when not to play is kind of yeah, fun because sure. if, you ha- if you know that you have the better engine, you have more income than everyone else, you don't want the game to end. So you probably also have the most ability to end the game. So mm. like, okay, if all if two of the three global parameters are reached, say oceans and uh, oxygen is maxed, uh-huh. and all you're waiting for is heat, you can buy the asteroid in in the game, but if you have the most income, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, let the other players suffer. Let them raise the terraforming rating, and let you buy patents from right. your hand or go purchase projects. direct victory points instead yeah. of yeah. So the terraform rating is half money income and half victory points, right? So it can be inefficient towards the end of the game. This has happened to me before, um, and this is another thing that's important. Kind of the second thing I want to say about this important about predicting the end of the game is there's kind of a almost like a prisoner's dilemma of okay if the game ends quickly like let's let's say that there are it's a three-player game let's say two players are actively terraforming and the and one player is actively engine building like not terraforming he's going just for victory points that player will lose most likely yeah yeah, because the two players that are actively terraforming are going to end the game too fast yep you know and his engine won't have taken off he won't he won't score if it's the other way though if it's one player terraforming and two players engine building whoever has the better engine will probably win the game because the other player at the and this actually happened to me, um, where I it's exactly what you're describing. I had, I like almost single handedly terraformed two of the tracks and was counting on a player who was playing um, Helios. I think they're the Heat people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were playing Helios. I was counting on them to raise temperature, and they just never did. So I I finished out the two tracks and was like, okay, and sort of like looked and was like, this game isn't close to ending because the Helios player was engine building, and so was the third player in the game, and so the better of those two engines won, right? Because I was ready for the game to be done, and it wasn't close to ending. I had nothing else to kind of like ramp into. 
No, <laughs> yeah, I think I was in that game. <laughs> you were. <laughs> yeah, because like Helios, you can use your heat as money. Right. So you just have a stupid amount of money income. Yeah. So, yeah, no, like, yeah, no, I think that was really good. Uh, do you want to hop into corporations? Can I give a little overview of corporations? Yeah, yeah, let's hop into corporations and we'll wrap up here. So with corporations, uh, there are 13 corporations in the base game. There are 12 unique corporations and then there's the beginner corporation that you the way that we play you have the option to choose every single game mm -hmm. each one of these is fun and unique in its own right it's not going to break the game you're going to play slightly differently it's probably mm -hmm. going to give you just like that path like we were talking about but it's not going to you're not playing a completely different game than the other players. Right. That being said, there are some corporations that are better at lower player counts or better at higher player counts. Uh, I think that's pretty wishy-washy unless you're like an uber competitive player. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing that I would say is that I always pair. Okay. Whenever I want to like actually like play and try and very hard to win the game, I always pair the corporation with the starting cards that are dealt to me, the 10 cards. Yeah. It, the, the, the other caveat to that is like if I'm dealt two corporations and I'm playing one that I see one that I haven't played before, I'm probably picking that. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's why I said always. Yeah. Or not always. You can, you can match the 10 cards that you play or the 10 cards in your starting hand. Yeah. Maybe you keep four of those um, to, to synergize with your corporation. Right. And so that's just a decision that you have to make. So yep. uh, I think the other thing that kind of like plays into it is the corporations will start with a certain amount of starting money and a certain amount of starting resources. And you can basically use kind of the numbers that we're describing to back out, like how much is this corporation worth at the start of the game? And I think you want to shoot to break 60. That's kind of like a rule of thumb. If you break starting with 60 resources, usable resources, um, that's a pretty solid position to be starting from. Um, there are a couple of traps there. So, like, for instance, um, interplanetary cinematics will start you with 30 money and 20 steel, right? Yep. Steel is worth two money each. You're, you can look at that and be like, oh, I'm starting with 70 money. That breaks Dalton's rule of thumb of 60. This is a great <laughs> starting position, right? But if you – steel can only be spent on buildings. And there are games – I know you've done this. I've definitely done it – where you take interplanetary – and you only have one or two buildings in your starting hand. And you're then you, expecting to get more. You're expecting to get more, and they just don't come, right? Yeah. It's just the way of the game. It just doesn't come, and you're stuck for five rounds with this huge float of all this steel that you can't actually invest into cards. You know, um, so you can definitely get trapped there. You just want to make sure um, the other one, the other one, Phoblog starts with 10 titanium and 23 money. Same trap. If you don't have the, the, <laughs> sta yeah. the space cards to actually spend the money, there, it's not doing anything for you. The, the other thing uh, that may break that, like, you don't always want to necessarily take whatever's the highest. Like, if, you, if you're looking right. at, you know, 70 versus 65, 70 is not always the best choice. Because remember, it's a race to those milestones. True. So yeah. if you, uh, you know, if you have a couple of cards in your hand that give you some plant production, and then you also have eco line as your uh, one of your options take eco line because mm. you're probably going to get that gardener like eco line instead of eight plants it costs seven to place and you start with right. some production and start with some plants so um it, it's i could probably spend three hours talking about <laughs> how and when and what type of decisions i would make mm -hmm. but i think you know what you want to do is utilize the information that you know from like the, the previous two sections like what to buy when to buy it mm -hmm. and kind of back out and it's the same math same everything to kind of look at and make that decision for yourself for sure and and like you said you're wanting to come to the conclusion of which milestone specifically am i going to try and go for i think the awards that'll fall out you'll be able to find an award that benefits you probably you know later in the game um, but, but, but pick a, uh, especially in your first game, pick a milestone be like, I'm going to pick this corporation, these couple cards. That's going to help me shoot for that milestone. That's a pretty good starting position. Yeah. So, uh, so real quick, what, what is your favorite corporation to play 
Oh, I think my favorite is definitely uh, Helion, the one that lets yeah. you use heat as money. <laughs> that one is really fun. I think there's a lot of strategies there because you can you can do what was done to me in the game. You can totally ignore um, the heat track and just use your heat as money because the, it, there's a lot of cards that will give you access to both, right? Both do a money production and a heat production. You can generate a lot of money production for yourself. I personally like the basically getting heat, converting all of that into in, into by raising the temperature of the planet and once you max out the temperature of the planet you like kind of end up in this position around like five or six where you have this enormous heat production that just becomes money production you also have this enormous money production because you've been raising your terraform yeah, rating yeah right it's easy to fund thermalist you've probably been pursuing um terraformer as a milestone that's probably like the key one that you were like racing after um also sometimes builder because like a lot of those uh heat things actually are buildings and so you can kind of like double up on that and so I think it's just kind of like the flexibility between like, is this a heat resource or a money resource that like offers a lot of interesting gameplay decisions? And if there's anything we know about Dalton is he likes flexibility. I do. <laughs> I do. What about you? Do you have a favorite in the basic I, I do. I I think I have two. Um, okay. And so like these, these are not necessarily the ones I'm always going to pick, but it's probably the ones that I have the most fun playing uh-huh. is probably how I'm approaching this. Like, I, I think like, you know, in a higher player game, I'm, if I have Thars, I'm going to pick Thars, right? Yeah. Like it's just like but that's not necessarily fun right. uh so i think uh probably my top one would be credit core so yeah. this one you start i think with 67 money and right. then everything that you anything that you buy that's over 20 money it's is a four yeah oh 57 sorry yeah. 57. Yeah, 57 money man i have been playing wrong no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's, that's why, why you so like good. <laughs> yeah no. um so yeah so 57 money anything that you buy that costs over 20 money you get a discount of four right so it's just kind of like, like really you said you're, all, you're already getting the costco discount yeah right? you're <laughs> already getting the costco discount and then especially if you have some of those big cards in your hand it's just yeah. kind of fun to just like go yeah um, and then the other one which is heavily dependent on the the cards that i have in my uh 10 card starting hand would be the uh interplanet cinematics i think it's called oh yeah they're they're like the best um by theming yeah where the, all they're all they're doing is just filming and making like movies and trying to like, <laughs> like <laughs> they make money like, off their movies and yeah and so like they yeah. they get a bonus for every event card that is played or that you play and mm. so is <laughs> like i just think that one's kind of fun because the event cards uh like don't necessarily build towards uh like builder because right. all those are face down so you know it's just kind right. of fun i like event they, cards. they have like this odd like because they do start with all of that steel, which kind of leads them towards Builder, and they start yeah. <laughs> with a building tag, which also kind of leads them towards yeah. Builder, but they want to be playing event cards, yep. which do not contribute towards Builder. <laughs> yeah, so it's exactly. just odd, like, kind of their decision there at the start of the game of are they going to go for Builder or not. I think the last thing that I would just kind of throw in is that if you have Jovian tags and you have Saturn systems, uh, go that, that's, yeah, that's one of the highest pretty strong. That's one of the highest victory point potential yep. cards in the game. Yep, so, sure. yeah. Um, but you that is an engine builder. Yeah. Like, that will not terraform. You need somebody <laughs> else to be engine building with you so that the game lasts, and then you'll win that race if you yep. can just convince everybody to not terraform the planet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can, you know, play politics a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Kind of like to close up, uh, the game is a phenomenal game, number four on Board Game Geek. It's probably retail around 60, I think, mm-hmm. would yeah. be about my guess. But then yeah. there's also an app. So if you uh, if you don't necessarily um, have a lot of time to sit down and play a three hour board game all the time, there's mm-hmm. an app that's a that's a turn based, which is about ten bucks. Um, yeah. So if you have that, let's play. Uh, that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> so um, that that's kind of my closing remarks. Dalton, did you have anything else that you wanted to throw in before think, we uh, tie this thing? 
Oh. Yeah, the only thing I wanted to throw in is that kind of related, we are starting on the, just a plug, we're starting um, through the Discord, we're starting to organize a monthly yeah. uh, game night, and so um, the way that's going to work, it's going to be sort of like Gen Con style, basically, there's going to be a couple of different time slots that you can sign up for, like something something like, for example, a, a two-hour time slot of this game, and a two-hour time slot of this game, or you can sign up for a single four-hour slot at the same time, and taking shooting to have like a timeline of roughly four hours for like the game night, like the whole thing. Um, and so that is an opportunity. If you haven't played uh, terraforming Mars, that's an opportunity for, uh, for you to do it with us or with our uh, discord group online. Um, so if you're interested in that, find our discord link, um, download it. And then when we start to like set those up, you can request that game and we'll take that into consideration when kind of doing the scheduling and that sort of thing. So that would be a game for you, a way for you to try it. If you have something like tabletop simulator or, or a way to play electronically with us. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually really excited for that. Uh, just to reiterate that will be electronic, not in person. Uh, so yeah. tabletop simulator, tabletopia, whichever one kind of like fits the best for the game, Yeah. but we'll, we'll kind of build out a little schedule and we'll send that out through the discord. We'll also promote it a little bit, but yeah, come play with us. I think that that's going to be a lot of fun. I think for sure. I, I'm really excited to get my ass kicked in all of the games that I think I'm good at. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited for playing the games that are hard to set up, you know, because yeah, the electronic oh, yeah. version just set it up Click. for you. Like, it's set up. How about that? Yeah. But yeah, so that's all going to be hosted through the Discord. So this is a good chance to plug that. So come join us. Come join our discussions on the Discord where we talk about episodes. We talk about board games. We talk about books. We talk about random shit. Uh, <laughs> just come join us. Uh, we're having a good time over there. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Fantasy and Some Flights. Uh, you should be able to find us. Just type in that and then facebook or whatever and you'll you'll find us yep. uh, we're the ones with the beer we're uh, out there <laughs> right, with beer yeah so yeah that that's all that i have unless you have anything that's it for me i want to wrap this thing up so yep. uh it was great talking with you about our favorite game it and is. uh cheers cheers <laughs>